Wrestling Federation. For over 50 years, the revolutionary force in sports entertainment. Bridge words of comfort, seen are just hard to eyes. Policemen caps the shades and sell a Chevy 69. I'm bizarre! I'm bizarre! I'm bizarre! Hello everyone, welcome to Scott and Paul's Rambling Podcast. Hello. Scott McLeod here joining as always with my good friend and co-host Paul Brown. Once again. Hello. And welcome back to our From the Vault series, we've not done this in a while, we do this every so often. Yeah. And once again, this is the second time it's happened where it's a case of us bridging the gap between two and your gaff uh, in your house very pay-per-views. True, true. Uh, to, between two episodes of our In Your Gaff series, we're looking at In Your House and looking at Royal Rumble 97 to bridge the gap between its time and Final Four because the Rumble does play a big part in oh, what it, happens. Yeah, it does, it does. And so we got a bridge the gap here. There's some stuff that happens on the raft, the Rumble, which I'll talk about at the end. There's some info in the week's following this that I could also talk about, but I thought, no, save some info for the start of a final four. Yeah, yeah. So because you do, you do, aside from that, have some interesting info to share. Yeah. In regards to this event, I I do. Yeah, and we'll we'll get into that. But weirdly <laughs> enough, I think the last two from the vaults that we did before that, I think we're also rumbles because I think we did the '92 Rumble revisited as part of our we did of Baltics thing, and then we did Rumble '93. Let's give a little warm eyes to, uh, to Scott Hall. Yeah. Who's definitely not in this, but Razor Ramon is. <laughs> yes, for all of two seconds. But does have a technical fuck-up. Does he even get his music? No, he doesn't. But also, I have what would be seen... And you'll know what I mean when I say this. Yeah. I believe there is a Maven situation <laughs> in this particular rumble. I know this particular individual probably did it on purpose. Mm-hmm. I've heard he did anyway because he was a cockbag. But I still claim it to be a Maven situation. Uh-huh. But I will get, much like you have your information, I will get into it at the time. Yeah, sure, sure. I think the information I'm, uh, he's referring to is the fact that AAA were working with the WF for this uh, show. Mm-hmm. And AAA have a, a match on the main card. I think I'll save my info until the AAA match because uh, it's going to be even more better than talking about that yeah, match. Like you say, the AAA match, plus there's a f- quite a few AAA uh, superstars within the Rumble itself. Yeah. Uh, you know, but all that is still to come, but the most important thing, Paul, is how are you? I'm doing pretty decent, Scott. How are you? I'm all right. We've got some cider and monster here. We do. I had two cans of, um, of cider in my bag already. I had left over from another time I'd been here. And I went and nipping and buy some monster a weekend. While I was weekend, I decided that'll be cool for the recording and everything. <laughs> and for some reason, for the first time in that little news agency near yours, uh, I'm sure I bought stuff that's less than a fiver before. But all of a sudden, it's like, oh, sorry, can I have a baby card if it's less than a fiver when they sh- when they kind of shops? Uh, ah, are you talking about Upwell? Up there, yeah. Ah, he's up he's, there where people can't see your point because it's an audio medium. But yeah, well, up at, up at the shop, which is just up the road a, a bit from my home, yeah, which yeah. we are in at the moment, recording on my nice new bedding. Yes, yes, nice new bedding I bought for myself. Just do you know why? It's very soft. I bought it because I wanted it. And today, when I was out, I bought myself a nice new bed sheet to go with it. Well, so now you had a productive day. I have a complete set. But, well, I was bullied. So then I thought, I, oh, I don't have any cash on me. Like, not enough that I can pay for this thing. Because I just had, I have smashed always, like, little, little yeah. pennies and little ten pences. And you're like, I always suddenly have these. You're like, I have, I have pennies. Because, like, <laughs> because every time I, I do pay with cash, 
I, it always comes out in an odd amount, which means I get an odd amount of change back, and yeah. there's always some smell. So once I've spent the pound coins and stuff I can't spend, yeah. there's just all this stuff, and I just leave it in my wallet for ages. Oh, no, I totally get you on that. I, I tend to do it. I, I tend to keep change in, you know those little cups that I have on my coffee table? Yeah. I tend to keep change in those, <laughs> and there's my little ashtray I have, which is a little apple. Mm-hmm. That's sitting on the radiator between my wicker, behind my wicker chair full of change, <laughs> because I think, well... You've got enough ashtrays, you can give up one for change. So the thing is, either <laughs> I don't get this, this monster, or I must buy something else. So, well, I look across, for five, for five I could get four more cans of uh, cider. What else was I to do? The shopkeeper, he bullied me into it. I had to buy more cider. That's a terrible thing, Scott. Yes, whatever, you, what, whatever don't you we worry do. your little head about it. I will help you drink it so you don't feel bad. Oh, well, that's just taking a weight off my mind, hasn't it? Yay. So there'll definitely be some can opening sounds as we... Uh, if they continue on this review. Well, I, I will say, this this particular Royal Rumble, although it is a very decent rumble, it is a decent rumble, it does on occasion lag just a little bit for me. It's sad, yeah. I wouldn't say it's a terrible, terrible pay-per-view. I would, far from. It's reasonably decent, I would say. That's, that's where I put it, reasonably decent. But there is certain points, even, and I'll get into it in more detail when we get to it, but even in the main event, I think certain spots lag just a just a hair, you know. Uh, and well, is there anything you want to talk about? Because I've got some stuff I could share you with you about my week before we get into this. Well, but is there I, anything you want to talk about before we start? Well, as I said, I got my lovely new bedding. I got some nice new bootlaces for my Doc Martens. Those were sorely needed. Uh, I went. I went out for a nice meal for my brother's birthday last night, mm-hmm. which was fun. You were we, telling me about this earlier on. Yeah, I got. I got a smoking jack burger. What is exactly the smoking jet burger then? Well, it, it, it was a burger, it had bacon in it, it had cheesiness in it, it had red onion, it had some kind of sauce which dripped on my fucking hand, you know. And then it, it came with one of those little, you know, those little silver pills of chips? Yeah. Which I didn't eat. You know, I didn't want them. <laughs> I didn't even finish the goddamn burger. Not too big. No, I just... You know, I'd started drinking beforehand, so... Ah. And you know sometimes when you make that mistake, like, I hadn't drank a lot, but I started drinking beforehand, and I drank a beer before the food came, and you know when you drink beer, mm. it... Sits a little heavy. It sits a little heavy on your gut, you know, I I left, like, basically, like, about a bite of the burger, and I was like, ah, I've eaten all the good bits of it, doesn't matter. Yeah. Was this, I mean, how big a burger in the chips were there? I'm assuming no. not, not, not a, a beard beats food kind of level. No, no, hell no, not that. I, that would have killed me. <laughs> no. But reason, reasonably big for a normal burger, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, a, like, wasn't as good as a burger I had during the week on the Monday or the Tuesday. My mother and I went to the Golden Hill, which is in Duntoker, uh-huh. not five minutes down the road from me. And I ordered a six-ounce beef, pure beef mm. burger with cheese and chips and you know that burger fucking ruined me <laughs> but you know what it was you know one of those ones where you were happy about that fact because yeah. it, it was it was beautiful man it was like the, the burger itself the meat was just the meat was fantastic and i think it wasn't a shitty cheese slice or nothing it was yeah, proper yeah. cheese and oh, i think yeah. there was two different cheeses on it oh 
Something be said no. for proper cheese. Even if you're making a burger at home, you know it's easy to put a slice on it, but I like cutting some cheese on it. Yeah. Especially if you get you put it on while the burger's still warm, you can just watch it melt a little bit. See, I like I like when uh, when Brian makes burgers because uh-huh. Brian he's a bit he's a wee bit in a aficionado when it comes to right. making his burgers. He makes the the patty fresh as well. Mm. He'll like form the meat and form the patties, and he'll cook them in the pan. And then when the burger itself is still in the pan. You will get a sli- it'll get a, che- a slice of cheese, like cut packet cheese, but yeah. it's like, you know, proper cheese. It's not like processed. Mm-hmm. And whilst the burger is still in the pan cooking, he will put the cheese on top of the burger and let it oh. melt around the burger. Oh, I'm getting hungry now. Yeah, he is, he is, he is a dad hand at making a burger as Brian. He really is. I'm sorry, I chat with, with somebody at the, the wedding I'm going to talk about in a bit, but... Uh, we're, I think it was because like one of the options in the main course was like beef and that, and I just ran over there talking to somebody next to me who I knew <laughs> about the idea. Like, why is it about having a burger and a pub? Especially if you've you've already had a few drinks at that point. Every time I've been a wee bit tipsy or just had a, already had a few drinks, when I have I order a, a burger and a pub, it always seems like the best burger I've ever had by that point. <laughs> Even though it probably isn't, it's all they're all but the, most of them are probably about the same level. I mean, they're good, but they're not like the greatest ever. But by that point, you're just you just want food. By that point, you yeah. feel like. Well, do some food like oh god this is the greatest thing ever when you're at that point a burger really does do a trick because oh, a burger does. is just fantastic i think also given you're already drinking and then the grease well not too much too you want to do it for the grease from the burger really yeah. and then not and also uh, one constant you can always carry it on with these is that chips will be served in some sort of weird way and will be far too hot when you first try and take them out yeah. like you, all, you always make this thing you already you go as soon as you go for the chips you immediately burn your mouth on them. Oh, no. When I had that burger in the Golden Hill the other day, I, you know, I went and tried. I tried to eat a good bit of the chips. But, you know, after the burger, I just... I, Do you, is it is it all common that you don't always finish the chips? It's not. Nowadays, it's not hellishly common, but sometimes the burger is... Mm. And that was a good one. <laughs> you know, and I tried all my techniques to, you know... You know, like Beard has his techniques. I tried my techniques for getting the chips down because I figure sometimes so my trick is black pepper. Instead of salt on the chips, I put black pepper on the chips, and just magic. So it is. And why? Why is black pepper the trick? Well, it get like it's like uh, it breaks the, the flavor up a little, right. and it gets them down well. It works best, though. I noticed I done it with the chips and the burger. Didn't work so well, but when you're having mac and cheese mm. with chips and black pepper mm. that's just that's just lovely but it has to be good mac and cheese you know can't because i went to one place and i got mac and cheese and it sucked ass it wasn't that good but in the golden hill mac and cheese is fucking phenomenal because it's good proper good cheesy sauce and plus you get that way where it's got that little, you know, that little film of cheese over the top of it. It's all herby and shit. It's really fucking good. And every time I get it, I don't like to eat the mac and cheese out of the stupid little dish that comes on the plate. Mm-hmm. I like to eat I'm like, oh, come on, man, put, put my fucking mac and cheese on the plate. So I always make the same mistake. Lifting the little fucking dish that the thing comes in. Burning the fuck out of my hand trying to because the little dish is hot. Mm-hmm. And then getting annoyed, and then just ever so slightly getting the napkin that comes with it, and just tilting it enough so I can use the fork to scoop out of the bowl into the plate. And I'm like, yeah, burnt my fingers, but it's on the plate now. It's good. Everything's good. Every, all the food is on the plate, not 
on the plate in a dish. It's like when you go and you order breakfast in some places and they don't bring your beans on the plate with the breakfast, you bring your beans in a little fucking like mason jar and you're like, yeah. come on man, fucking fucking beans on the plate. Maybe, because yeah, I think everybody's different. There are people who like the beans on the plate, some people don't like some people like to mix them their own. Yeah. They, want, they basically want you to make that choice yourself. Oh, no. Last time I had that situation, I ended up saying to the woman, I was like, oh, no, a pot of beans here, come on. She gave she gave me beans with this breakfast, and I was like, what, is that, is that the sample dish so you can see if you like the beans? Come on, where's the rest of the fucking beans? We, we have talked a lot, referenced a little bit about the, the show itself and some stuff we're going to talk about in it. We've now got 12 minutes out of mostly you food. food talk, mostly from your end and beans. You haven't stopped me, Lose. I assume you like the idea of food. Well, I don't mind stopping <laughs> you. I've learned, you know, I like, I like Paul when he's on, when he gets on a roll, when he, when he starts talking about something he, he properly feels strong about. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. good to let him just go. Don't, 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 don't stop him. Don't you have little things like that when you go out for food, Lose? Like little things that you mm-hmm. both love, and but at the same time you can go, now that ain't right. I mean, everybody has that. You, you know? must, you must tell us some of your ones. Like, or tell me one of the ones you love when you get food, and one of the things that bug you when you get food. Like, you know, one of those things is not really an issue, but you're like, come on, man. I don't know. I mean, okay, I can, I'll pick, I'll pick a time, but you know, more often than not, I'll forget about it unless it really fucking annoys me. Yeah. Yeah. One thing, one thing I don't like. I mean, I love getting pizza, right? Oh, but every time, we, every time we go to Italian, like. The the idea of like more most places making you cut the pizza yourself, uh, like I mean, I'm again like I'm not saying like cut it a little bit then yeah it's just the fact that because I don't have any faith myself with that big sharp knife and also when I do cut it the the, the size of the pieces <laughs> are very inconsistent. <laughs> uh, I I have something I think you were a bit taken aback by when I said it at first like when I, I something I like to do. When I get a burger, like I said I cut it in half, like with a knife, right? I cut it in half, but then I eat it normally, but you know because one thing you also get from most of these pieces, especially if it's a pub you went to, that thing's gonna be hot when you bite into it. Oh yeah, yeah. I like to cut it open and watch the steam kind of rise out of it. What's the steam rise? No, but no, t- like I say, I totally get you on that. Like mm-hmm. cutting it in half, I get you. It's when people, you know, cut it like the way you would cut a pizza. Hmm. That seems yeah, that, that's wholly weird. weird to me. Cut it in two bits. Don't cut it into like sections or anything yeah. like that. Oh well, well, one thing about some like I do explain that I, I mainly just want the burger, the cheese, or if it comes with bacon or anything like that, then give me that. Ooh, bacon. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but then, but don't don't give me any of that other shit because I I I have chosen to be unhealthy and I'm happy with that decision. Yeah. I do hate like sometimes when you get a burger and it's got like you got your cheese. You got like I like it when you got your cheese, maybe a wee bit of onion, mm-hmm. preferably bit, preferably for me red onion. I love red onion, uh-huh. you know. But when you get it and it's burger, and cheese and red onion, and tomato and lettuce, and you're like, for fuck's sake, I do not need the whole fucking salad section on my burger. Like I hate ones where like or you say you don't want the salad, but like, even though you're not gonna eat it, they still put it on the side of your plate. Like yes, I'm going to ignore it, but. Clearly asked, <laughs> don't put this on my fucking plate, and you did it anyway. But also, one time I went out, I think it was like a few days before the last Christmas, uh, it was like one of my last days uh, at work, and my brother messaged me like, oh yeah, uh, a couple of guys uh, that we we knew were said, oh do you want to go for it, grab a drink here, and I think it was just an off the cuff kind of thing. Yeah. So we were like, oh, alright, met them in this place, this, it's called Bavarian like, Beer House in, uh, in Millertown. You can do these big signs of, like beer and everything. 
they got some good ciders in there as well. Ooh, nice. But uh, so I went in, and we, we, were, we got our burgers. We didn't ask for any of the stuff. One thing they did leave on, even though I didn't want it, was this uh, burger sauce on it. Which I'd never had before, but I didn't want it because I didn't well, you want to eat it unless I like it. Were you suspicious of it? Yeah, I tried it. It wasn't too bad. It was, it was enough that I could enjoy the burger and not be annoyed by the, by the sauce on it, right? Yeah. But later on that evening, even though I don't think I drank that much, and the main thing I had in my stomach was that burger and everything, I was still sick later on. I'm convinced oh. it was the burger sauce that did it. Jeez. The burger sauce is the, is the wee change, because I've, I've done that since when I've gone out, had some drinks, had a burger in a bar, and not not been sick when I got yeah. home. Something is wrong with that particular sauce. I don't know what kind of sauce they were using. Well, it could it could be much like I get sometimes. It could be like that particular shit just did not agree with you. Yeah. Because... And I shouldn't have taken that chance, which is why I asked, don't give me the sauce on the burger. I begged you. I begged you not to give me the sauce. I begged you to look at mine first. Why didn't you? I begged you. <laughs> but no, what is it? I fucking I tell you what I discovered like years ago. It's really good, not a burger based thing. Mm. But I was, before I tried this, right? I was always you know chips and red sauce. Mm -hmm. That was me. I was in the pub years ago and I ordered curly fries. Yeah. And you know curly fries, curly fries are good. Yeah, they're good. But curly fries and I got served. A little pot of mayo with them. It's really good. Curly fries with mayo. It's like I'd heard. I'd heard that it was a thing, a Dutch thing, because I'd watched Pulp Fiction. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was sitting there eating these curly fries away, and I was like, "They Dutch are on this some of this shit. That's no bad." I never asked a Dutch person. I've met a. I've met a Dutch person. I've never asked them if they actually do that, like in Pulp Fiction. You know, but. I want to talk to you, uh, I went to a wedding during the week. I had a weird up the week because I went to the wedding and enjoyed myself, took a test in the week before the wedding, made sure I didn't have COVID, yeah. and that was fine. I felt weird because like, the shirt I wanted to wear, I couldn't get the top button down, which means, oh, that means I can't wear the tie with it. Yeah. I really want to wear a tie with it because you know, I look smart and everything. Were you like everyone else you showed me in your pictures? Were you kilted? Oh, no, I was not kilted. No, uh -huh. I'm not. I'm You're not, not brave enough to be kilted? No, I'm not brave. I just don't want to wear a kilt. My choice. But anyway, so I went out with my brother because he needed a new shirt and something else before the wedding. So when me and him went out the day before we went into town, we were going to grab some, uh, wait, go for a wee make these, and then we were going to go see the new Thor film. So we made a wee day of it and everything, so he was going to be in town anyway, so yeah. he told me, oh, do I go see Thor? And then I tried my shirt and I'm like, well, I'll meet you early, early in the town because uh, I need a shirt as well. <laughs> so when I get the shirt, he went to a couple of places. Me, went to Matterland, first shirt I tried, I like, Oh, this fits me grand. I'll get this. Do you know, in that respect, you're just like me. <laughs> See, when you need a shirt for an occasion, yeah. you don't fuck around looking for a million shirts. You go, you zero in on the shirt you need, and you buy it. I went in, I tried the first shirt I got, and I'm like, this is good. But like, I said, I was like, I don't feel right. Like, just because it's the first shirt I tried on, that, even though it did fit me, like, it was the first one I tried on, I didn't yeah. feel right about just buying it. It was only like 17 quid, uh, so I got it. I went down, I purchased it. And my brother told me, like, well, our mum was working, she worked in the singing, and I just ran the corner from the Matalan we were in. Yeah. And so, like, go oh, and show her it, see what she thinks of it. Because uh, I trust my mum with all fashion related things, because I'm not, <laughs> I am not educated enough in clothes and shit. But with the idea of, like, go over and show her, you know, worst case scenario that I need to buy a new shirt and I can use this for, like, a night out or whatever. Yeah. Went round, she liked it, I thought, oh, good, I've relaxed a little bit here. <laughs> 
<laughs> so there we go. My brother finally got his shirt as well. I got it was this very smart blue, light bluish looking shirt that I wore with a light blue tie, black trousers, black suit jacket. I was ready to fucking go. Nice. Were you feeling? Were you feeling sharp? Feeling sharp for everything. Uh, went to the wedding. I obviously, knew a lot of people uh, there. A lot of friends. Everything. We had this friends group when he for me SSR and everything. So yeah. So where where was it? Uh... Like where did he have his wedding? Was yep. it like in a nice place? Or? Yeah, it was this hotel called the the Radstone in uh, in Lark Hall. Really Not, nice. Yeah, it was Lark Hall. I think. Uh, we got a lift from our pal Grant, who then also gave us a lift. Aim like you know my brother, brother and I lived separately. He was willing to drop me off first, then drop my brother off. So you know, same guy and all that. Mm. Uh, you know he farted in the car the whole way home and <laughs> smelly bastard. Oh, the smelly bastards are then us Grant, honestly. See a right smelly bastard eh? Mm-hmm. Uh, he was he was messaging us about these two cut these two dinner options. Like, which should I wear? Like, whichever makes your arse less fucking toxic and because he's driving so he can like fart and then just like tail locks. No one's rolling down the windows, no escaping. <laughs> oh god. He could do that if he wanted to. At least crack a window, man, for God's sake. I this I got this bottle of champagne for them yeah. as a gift because I never know what when I get to win I always then we're like oh yeah but then a gift should I give a gift I don't bottle know what bottle gift bottle of champagne with a wee, with a wee card and everything <laughs> basic message on everything but you know it's a, it's a gesture for the wedding and everything yeah. I'm sure people who know them better who are like family and all that will I'll get, I'll get them stuff. You, got, you got them a nice thing you yeah. should feel good yeah I put it in a, a coat bag to take down and put it in Grant's car. I wasn't going to bring it in with the coat bag. We was yeah. a way of carrying it and everything, so I didn't drop it. Put it in a car on its side, because I knew Grant as soon as he had the motor, would just be like, vroom. <laughs> and he'll just be off. Is he a speedy driver? Well, I think it was a case of like, we just wanted to be able to like, open up when he got out in the motorway, so that you know, we knew we weren't going to be late. We had we had time, but we wanted to get there at a good yeah. time, so no one could complain about Always it. Always be- better to be early than late. So, and then maybe because I was just happy to be at the car and everything, that... I'm glad I had other people there because I took two steps away from the car before they shouted back about Scott, what? Take it out the co-op bag. <laughs> I very nearly walked in with the co-op bag. So, put this stuff down and everything. You, you could have just played it off. You got, I got your bag of shopping for your wedding. There you go. What does it matter what vessel it comes into? It's the thought that counts and I thought a lot. I thought you could use a nice co-op bag. I got your poly bag for your wedding. There you go. And so, went in, it was a nice ceremony and everything. <laughs> the guy doing the ceremony was uh, was was telling stories about them that he'd been given, and they did this whole yeah. thing where they revealed the like I think I heard the story. Well, he they met while at, working at the same place. Stephen had worked there first, then he's Mrs. Laura started, and he was in, he was responsible for trainer. And then he joked, the guy jokes. I think Stephen will agree that was the last time he was ever considered in charge in their relationship, <laughs> and that got a big laugh from everybody. Knows him like yes. Yes, I, even Stephen was now like, aight, aight. Mm. <laughs> and we're all sitting there. Uh, so how long, how long had they been together before they finally tied oh, a knot? Oh, a fair, fair while, I think. That's uh, really cool. I want to say maybe eight, nine years, I think, uh, all together. That's roughly what I'm thinking here. Because well, uh, there's good people in the group who knew them before. I, I did everything and... Uh, like, we were meant to get married like a year ago this time, like last year. That's all the shit we didn't need. Well, I, I don't know them, we're your people, but if we hear our show, I'll raise a, I'll raise a can to them. Yeah. Congrats to you both. I think, they got, I think they're enjoying the honeymoon right now, they've got better things to do than listen to. <laughs> <laughs> but you people don't, so thank you for listening. Did we go somewhere nice? 
No, I didn't ask. Ah, I'm sure they did. I think they, well, Cyprus, I think that's where they went. Oh. I know. I think I know that because the guy may have mentioned it during the, yeah. the ceremony. Well, that would be nice. It was, it was a nice ceremony. There was a, some laughs in it, <laughs> and uh, uh, during the speeches, we was, his cousin Derek, who we know, and we know how Derek takes the piss out of him. Like it was a case of everybody anticipating how much he was going to rip into him. <laughs> He was joking, he was asking people to come out to make sure Stephen's, he joked about Stephen being an army's boy and everything, like, <laughs> he joked, he asked a couple of people in the crowd, like, can you come out here and make sure she doesn't tackle me during this speech, like, talking about Stephen's mom. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, we're all sitting there and, uh, laughing and talking about Stephen got being doing his master degree, went, uh, Stephen did a degree at master degree, which we can all agree is a big shaggles degree to him, man. And Stephen, and he, and apparently he's got, his pal Gary, he's, uh, he's, his brother Gary said that, he said, he said, or pal Dave, who was there, who was also on that course and knew them from uni, went, uh, Dave, you were on that course, stand up, Dave. All right, Dave, you can sit back in there. <laughs> stand up, and sit back down again. Uh, and he was like, Thank you, Dave. <laughs> he mentioned that the stag did everything, like, uh, a nice range, two stag dudes with 20 odd people, and no fights during either. But they did mention some highlights, including where Paul Ryan making almost a full bottle of pink gin on the train down and being Good fucked. Christ. My brother drinking a full stein of beer uh, during uh, the Manchester I do, and then using that stein to throw back up into. Oh. Nearly, nearly filled the whole thing, he was that bad. That's talent. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like, just put that down there, make sure no one tries to unfortunately drink out of it. <laughs> and then taking the vis of uh, people. So it was it was a good speech. It was a good like uh, it, they put entertainment on. Like, there was a thing called singing servers where these servers got up and started singing after people were doing the and their pudding. I was a bit annoyed because I was still eating my pudding and then they got people off. <laughs> like they want these servers wanted to get up and singing. They got fucking quackers. They brought quackers around chicken earlier on. <laughs> we could have said we brought you the wrong chicken. Everyone, Sorry. Everyone everything. Oh, like the dinner, there was like four courses. You only got a choice in one, one of them. Uh. It was only me. Like, do you want chicken or beef? Went chicken. There was a bit of haggis inside the chicken. Oh, it's all right. Yeah, chicken was, was that what you had. Yeah, that's what I had. Uh, the other ones you couldn't get, you didn't get to choose. And one of the courses was chicken liver pate. Was it nice? I feel like I was in an episode of Fraser to be honest with you. Uh. I tried it. It's all right. I didn't finish all of it because the consistency after a while, I felt like. This guy feels like and kind of looks like what I'd feed my fucking duck, to be honest with you. I, I've had pate. It's, it's an acquired taste. It's mm. nice. It's, ni- it's nice on crackers. I, I, well, I had a bit of garlic bread with me, so I basically what I did, got a bit of garlic bread, put it on some pate on it, take that at the same time. Ah, well, that works. Uh. The best I could do at the time. <laughs> but anyway, it wasn't too bad. And then the pudding, I don't usually go for cheesecake, right? But they brought for the dessert a uh, chocolate and orange tea, uh, cheesecake. was one of the, you got a double dessert thing. God, that would have been rich. I tried that. It was very good. Yeah, uh, rich a little bit. Yeah. yeah, and then this like strawberry or raspberry cranikin, which I didn't know what the fuck that oh, was. Cranikin. It's just like cream stuff inside. Yeah. this like eatable, uh, like container thing. And my mum only told me the next day, "Oh, you know that's got whiskey in it, don't you?" Like, Aye, I know what cranikin is. Well, well some people wasn't. Like, no, no, I didn't know what cranikin was, or that I had whiskey. I like, huh? I wonder if that goes way to explain why I'm why I like the cranikin so when, much. When I was in high school, well, you know, when school, I don't know if we still do it now, but when schools did home economics, mm-hmm. we we made cranikin in school. Nice. I remember that because my teacher at the time brought in a teeny tiny little miniature of whiskey hmm. to make the cranikin with. You know, cool. <laughs> it was cool. That was back in the days before everything went shit. You know, when I was in home economics, I met I made cranikin. 
I went and sewed a, a Christmas stocking. It was all kinds of fun. Like, we all agreed though, we were sitting with each other from the podcast. We knew Steve and Laura, because through the podcast and through Rescue, Laura kind of got interested in knowing Steve, right? Yeah. But they had some stuff on the, next, on the one side of the menu was icebreakers for people who got sat together and didn't know each other. And then we all took the fists when we read reading out the icebreakers, like, <laughs> so, how do you know the couple, like, Blackers being like, like, guys, how do you know the couple, like, well, uh, like, went, <laughs> went, oh, do you, one of the ones was, do you have a funny story about the couple, or, and I went, well, one time there was a trip to Manchester, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so we're all kind of, but they also were like, usually they kind of, they kind of ripped the ass out of that, that, that dinner, because like the four chords and everything, everybody's like, but like, well, that rude. Gonna need it, gonna need it. And then these singers come in, like, don't make me stand up, please. I've just had my dinner. <laughs> don't sing at me, I'm full. <laughs> right, everything, everybody went, you know, they had, had a wee drink, everybody comes back in for the mm. evening bit because there was a band play up until about 12 o'clock, and then they played some like DJ cartoons. And by the end of the night, people were up dancing, and at one point, they, they put more food on, like, the table, we ro- rolls and sausage, we rolls and bait, and nice. we were getting it. also a sweetie of our. And mostly the last uh, podcast related wedding, which was in 2019, I went to where Pal Allen, where I think very similar to that, and I was drinking during the day, but also eating enough in, in different intervals with the dinner and then the evening stuff that I didn't, yeah. I didn't feel drunk at all when I left. You were, you were doing the thing that we say in Still Game, mm-hmm. you know? You. You. No, I was chewing the fat. I was sat far back with fucking Rab McGunchy doing the. I think, they mentioned, I think they mentioned it at Naveen's wedding before they realised there's no booze, though. Yeah, but you. You pack a wee bit in, and then you drink you drink the rest of your can, tan a wee bit more, then you finish half your can, and you blast up, blast up before you get home, because she'll not want you to blast up in the sheets, man, because she'll go mental, you know? Like, <laughs> so I had a couple of drinks, like, we went to the outside, but like, I'm wearing a black suit, it was fucking roast, and like, I'm drinking a, a, a wee bit fast, but trying not to go too fast, because yeah. like, it's that hot, and that's why I'm drinking... They had a crepe stand in between the ceremony Ooh. and the dinner. I didn't have a crepe because I didn't trust myself in my suit and my new shirt <laughs> not to make out a total arse of it. You're like, I'm not going to get a stain on my suit. <laughs> yes. I mean, I think I wasn't wearing a white shirt or anything, but... Yeah. Uh, but then they had three about, I put this wee bag together and I made sure I bring it with me. <laughs> Little bags of Skittle, wee bags of Haribo, stuff like that. We are smashing. You had your nibbles. Yes, my nibbles. <laughs> So as we four of our groupers in the podcast all got some weird photos with funny hats and such. <laughs> and a couple of people were wearing, like, Quacky wore a big pink wig and everything. Oh, yeah, so he, he, he looks a hell of a size of boy, like Quacky. He looks like a fucking rugby player, man. Oh, I think he used to do boxing you know, for a while. Like, he looks the sort. He's a big, he, what is it? He's a big horse, man. He's a big dude. Yeah. Yeah. He had these cigars. He'd been to Cuba on holiday. He was getting some of the guys to smoke cigars with him. I didn't, I don't smoke. I'm like, yeah. like I'm, I will make an arse myself if I try to smoke a cigar. Like, so I guess I don't know, but these guys are kind of all standing around. We're Paul Jack, who, or joke, even though he's not, around joke is that he's a toady. So Jack's there in his blue suit with a bit of a waistcoat on, and I'm like, that's just how you stand around with your Tory Palestine when you used to go, like, yeah, so, now whose benefits shall we cut next? <laughs> we we're all having a wee laugh about that. How many poor families shall we destroy today? <laughs> 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 Standing here in my fine suit, smoking my Havana. My pal David, who does like some uh, film directing and that. He was there in a kind of a pinky like, suit with a big white like turtleneck. <laughs> uh, I remember we were giving him every joke under the sun. Like, Did he have uh, a whole like fucking seventies TV program extra look about him. We all joked like, Jesus, were you not the bad guy in the last Bond villain film? 
Or like somebody said, like, gave him a moustache, you look like Ron Burgundy. Bad guy, bad guy in a Columbo episode. <laughs> and he really understood the whole looking cool with a cigar, because he couldn't properly get the ash off and he tried to get it in the bin. Like, you're really ma- making that look less cool than it should be, aren't you? Uh, remember, Greg kept sending us photos of when he was on his holiday and gave a different outfit he was wearing, and I, I jokingly commented on one of his photos saying, like, ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo number five. <laughs> And then he made a wee joke about me and my my mum. Not a nasty one, but yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. putting my mum's name into one of the lyrics in Mambo Number no. Five, which I told my mum about, and she laughed a bit. Yeah. <laughs> so mum and daddy loved Quacko, and he loves them. So there you go. That was cool. Because they met at my brother's engagement party and everything. Ah, cool, cool. Uh, so yeah, everybody was up this band was was all right and everything, and they're yeah. they're playing certain songs that like request uh, Steve Lawrence and then. I ended night had a couple of drinks, not drunk, but enough that I'm with a wee bit. Well, give us a offer. <laughs> and then by the end of the how the DJ thing starts, everybody was already up when the band finished. But they start they immediately start playing the DJ stuff. And there's stuff that sounds kind of more rave than stuff about, every, and everybody's about up, up for a good time. So everybody's just bouncing like ah, I'll sing along. <laughs> and then midway through one of them, heaven is a place on earth comes on, and we were all belting this because I love that song. Like, oh, we're just cool. singing it. I'm not going to try and sing it on here, but I don't think you're Belinda Carlisle, man. But, but there's a bit where, yeah. where it was low down. I just turned to one of my pals and went, oh, big Belinda, man. <laughs> <laughs> big Belinda. <laughs> now Stephen's a Rangers fan, right? So he just a couple of songs, not necessarily Rangers song, but they've been sung by Rangers fans, right? So the guy I think got took a bit too far, assuming that he, both he and most of the people in the thing were Rangers fans. So not only did it during the DJ, but when they queued up the song, did they play uh, Simply the Best? <laughs> Penny Arcade started playing at one point. <laughs> and our pal Ryan, who's a silly fan, who can take a bit of that and forth between the Rangers fans and that, just when Penny Arcade just came on, he just you know, stood there and went, nah. No, no having it. No having it. No having it. <laughs> Went back to, he kept coming up. Wherever he got properly into it, he kept coming on with these weird sunglasses on. And after that, I was like, Jesus. It's like when Rikishi gets his sunglasses on before he starts dancing with Tuchel. <laughs> <cool." laughs> <laughs> oh. God damn it, that last review we did, man. That damn Benoit coming in and ruining the celebration with his stupid chair and his crossface. <laughs> Prick. Yeah, uh... That's after reference to the Rupert Smiley Review, which Paul is now my co-host on. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Yay. I mean, you already told you about it. But I'm right. a co-host. You're a co-host now. Huzzah. <laughs> it's basically the same as what we do here, where we also talk about a lot of shit and just deviate from the subject. But you, you now, mean I'm a co-host on both shows? But now... Huzzah. Why do you think every time I introduce the show, I call you my good friend and co-host? Co-host. Yay. You're a simple man, aren't you? Yes, yes but, I am. But yeah, I said I, I said my week was up and down because went did the win on Saturday, felt a bit tight in my shoes. I thought maybe I should try and get a bit healthier. <laughs> then the Sunday I was like, I wasn't hungover, but I felt like a bit like this is my day to lie in because my mom's can watch the dog. So in my few days I can just lie in and not have to get up early because I had to get up early yeah. for the win and everything, get my way over. And so like I said to my, I declared to my mum, which she was okay with, us saying today is a fat day. <laughs> I was eating a bunch of my sweeties. There was a big empire biscuit in the cupboard, mm-hmm. which I had. It was a, it was a hell it, of a day. Did it, did it have a jelly tot on the oh, top? Of course, it had a jelly tot yeah. on the top. Because you know, you get, you get the different one. You get the jelly tot one, and sometimes you get that weird one that has a cherry in it. And you're like, yeah. does it have a cherry? It needs a jelly tot. Who, who, whose idea was that? Yeah, you don't need cherry. Have that in a cherry bakewell. Mm. But not in, a, not in an empire biscuit. You need the tot. So anyway, I felt then hot. 
I don't feel like I had a temperature going to bed on the night. Like, I felt like a bit Did funny. Did you have the concerns? I, I felt like funny, like, this is not warm as in, like, it's hot. This is warm as in, like, feverish, and then I felt yeah. cold. And, like, I thought, do I have COVID? Because <laughs> I was going to start the Monday, getting up early, going for walks before work and everything. I woke up on Monday thinking, still thinking I might have COVID. Ugh. Thankfully, I don't. I took my test. First time I've had to do it without someone helping me, which I wasn't sure because then I, like, I was too hesitant to stick the thing yeah. where I had to put it. I didn't realise you put the whole Disney thing, like, drip it down, just leave it there and just watching that thing rise, like, please, please don't go to both lines, please don't have two lines. Like, <laughs> I double checked the thing, the back of it to see what, okay, that means negative, that means positive, that. Yeah. <laughs> so I was doubly sure I just stood there while, even after it came up, like, oh yes, negative, that's good. Brian had to do that the other week as well, because <laughs> unfortunately his mother went and got the COVID. I think she's okay now, thankfully. But, because she'd been up visiting Brian and his brother and whatnot, he was like, ah, oh, crap, I might have it. But he'd done the test and it was cool, so. It's gone to the point where, like, mainly because, like, I've got the, the vaccine, the booster and everything, like, both doses and everything, like, because really, like, I've been through all that and, like, knowing that some people still get it, like, like it's the case of, like, I'm, I'm hiring myself for going this long without getting it that I'd be more annoyed than concerned if I yeah. got it. Like, if you, like, got, like, two and a half years, like, you got it. Oh, damn, I was on a good run there. See, I, I am, you know, touch wood and all, hmm. but I have I have not had any vaccinations. I've not had one. Hmm. But it's not, not an anti-vaccine thing or nothing. Yeah. I just, you know, I haven't done it. Yeah. You know, I thought, fuck it, I'll just, I'll just do what they tell you to do. I will sanitise, wash my hands, wear masks, keep people away from me, which I do anyway because I'm generally an anti-social prick. But, <laughs> you know... And, you know, as I say, touch wood, I've gone from the start of the shit to now and I've not had it, you know. But I, I think, like, like people can get it if they're a little lax on their... Yeah. Like, the rules they set you, you know what I mean? And like I say, I, I wear masks. I've, I've started to get a little le- less tense with a mask. Yeah. I was on a bus today and some fuck nugget, like a seat or so behind me, started coughing like a dickhead and I was like, right, mask mm. on. You ain't giving me no fucking wordy, you cunt. Mm. Yeah, so I think people will like, forget about it and then you hear somebody getting it and it's a case of like, yeah, we've all, a bunch of us have all got the vaccine and then some of us, most of us have like, you know, it's a shame that many early on, you know, died from it and everything oh, and didn't know what it was, that, but like, yeah. many of us now have got it, it was rough, most of us have covered and been able to get on with it, so it's going to be a case of like, this is just something we're living with now, I think it's, it's going to be around for a while. It's, it's like... It's like quite a, quite a level above the common cold because the common cold generally can't, you know, do off with people. Yeah. But it is in that same kind of area because it seems like a, like an ongoing on again, off again kind yeah. of thing now. It's like one of, it is one of those diseases in the common throw things now, you know what yeah. I mean? It, it, it appeared, everyone got it, it was horrible, now it's just, like you say, it's just there. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I'm I'm glad. Well, like like to say, like because like, a lot of people lost their lives at the start of it, and it was really fucked up. That, but I'm reasonably happy now that not so many people are in that situation now. Mm-hmm. You know, like everyone gets it kind of on and off now. I'm like I say, thankful I've never had it, but it still sucks for people to get it. You know, yeah. stupid fucking COVID. I know, fucking so bad, but. I don't know how to transition from that into the Rumble 97 because well, we're, bit, we're like nearly 40 you're, you're desper- You were desperately waiting for it not to go positive. And a, a lot of the instances in this pay-per-view, I was waiting desperately for something to ha- happen. 
you know. Yeah. And we get we we can transition into it because it's in uh, San Antonio. San Antonio, the home of uh, Shawn Michaels. Yeah, also. the home of Shawn Michaels. You just see, and maybe depending on like fans of this era, maybe this war about to say the two teams about to say maybe seen as a dig or controversial, but I'm gonna say them. I remember when we re reviewed Rumble 93 and we talked about how overall like, the undercard was strong and everything, but the Rumble oh, yeah, was really yeah, yeah. a bit crap. Like, kind of the reverse this time. Like, overall, as a pay-per-view, I may have enjoyed 93 maybe slightly more. I think, or, or this is on the same level as 93. Yeah. I was expecting this to be better than 93, but like... No, no, it's, it's good, but like I say, the Rumble itself is good. But I don't like the, the, the matches out with the Rumble. I don't like a lot of the stop, start, stop, start. But like, even crap. the Rumble like felt like a one-man show. I think like, if, if Austin wasn't as involved as he was, this wouldn't be nearly well, as good a Rumble as it was. Technically, if you're going on storyline, a two-man show. Oh, well, yeah. You know, because like you say, it's the slow build towards... It's really the slow build towards Mania 13, mm -hmm. if you think about it. Yeah. Because I know we have Len Your House before that. Yeah. And not that crap, but the slow build towards the infamous double turn. Yeah. You know, and like, because I mean, if you look at the rumble itself, the crowd reaction Stone Cold was getting at the time. Yeah. Like, I want no heel reaction. Oh, yeah. You know, and I love, like, I know we've not got to the, the Royal Rumble to say yeah. but I do love a bit when Austin makes his entrance and fucking, I think it's, uh, Jerry Law said, you're a bad man. <laughs> and Vince McMahon's like, yeah, he certainly is. Mm -hmm. And it just, he, that walk he's got, like, walking down that ring, and you're like, ah, he means business, even <laughs> to kick some ass. Yeah, definitely. But like I say, like, if Austin was as old as he was, like, this wouldn't wouldn't have been as much, this wouldn't be really higher than 93. Like, it's higher than 93, yeah. cause, mainly because of Austin. Like, the overall, but the overall pay-per-view is, like, it only goes a wee bit above 93 for me, I think. Are you kidding? You don't rate all those great entrants in it, like, Savio Vega and... I'm just talking about the pay-per-view as a whole, to be honest with you. Yeah. Flash Funk. <laughs> the it, Latin Lover. It's really weird how many, uh... How many, like, rumbles we've reviewed in such a short period of time, isn't it? Yeah. It's become more frequent. I mean, do, I enjoy doing a rumble, but still... Do you know what's good about this rumble as well? Yeah. I can watch the Royal Rumble match itself and go like that. I can watch like people facing off and go, there's a future rivalry, there's a future rivalry, there's a future world champ, there's a future world champ. <laughs> you know? There's there's a big point and there's a point at the end where there's like four there's a group of guys near the end where it's oh future world champion, four world champion, guys who will fight each other and then just Henry Godwin. <laughs> yeah. Henry Godwin is just the stand the sore thumb standing out there like he randomly comes out second last for some reason, like just looking around all the people and the, the talent, and then see Henry Godwin. Like one of these things is not like the others. What do you mean, big old Hank? Yeah. <laughs> do you know the only thing I've got to say in regards to Henry and Phineas? Why that fucking diddly d music? Why? What's up with playing? Why not even use the music they had when they were heels? Well, because they're not heels and. Well, and big fact that the heel music is shit. Better than that diddly deep pish. I know, like, how about Jim is in your Hall of Fame? He sang that song, I'm pretty sure Jimmy Hart may have wrote it for yeah, him. Why can't you use Country Boy? You can see people clapping along yeah. to it. Like, I'm, like I say, I'm so glad I have the tape. Yeah. So yeah. I don't, once I get a machine, I don't have to put up that abomination on the goddamn network. Yeah, but for now, you have to put up with it. But I do, but 
fucking for fuck's sake, man. Let me tell you about the Royal Rumble, right? Now, January 19th, 1997, this place in the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas. One of two times they would run this venue for the, the Rumble, because earlier they would come back to San Antonio, Texas in 2007, but not to this venue, but a different venue. But ironically, Sean was in the final two alongside The Undertaker, who mm. came out the same entry number he comes out in this Rumble, but this time Taker would actually win the 2007 Rumble. Then 2017, to celebrate 20 years of it, they went back to the Alamo Dome, where obviously on that show you had Cena v. AJ, on that show you had likes of Owens versus Reigns, and uh, I think Orton won the, the Rumble. That mm. one that one they also had Brock and Taker and, and Lesnar all involved, and Roman coming out at, at 30, so people would cheer Randy winning. <laughs> so, also, yeah. one of two times this was like, I don't know if they did better attendance-wise in 2017, you know, maybe they did, I don't know. Oh, look, it looked a pretty packed out yeah. arena. Yeah, obviously, yeah. San Antonio, 60,477, which Howard Finkel announces later on is the number. Do you know, oh, God. See, when it came to the actual rumble itself, mm. oh, God, I skipped that whole spiel that Howard did before mm. the rumble. I was like, for God's sake, man, just let the rumble start. Mm-hmm. We know how it, we know how it goes about. Because you know? they did start it in, 90, in 88 as a TV special and then it became paper. So by this point, I think this is the 10th Royal Rumble that they've done. Yeah. So people know the rules by now. People, yeah. There's even a slight, not as big in later years, but there was a, a bit of a pop in the crowd for him announcing it's now time for the Rumble because that's the thing with some of the noise. Like You could tell when people were into certain things, but uh. most of the noise you see seems to come from the floor because, like, I think the sound travels differently yeah. in a in a dome kind of environment, so it takes a while for things to go in. But when people aren't making noise, then it, it seems a lot more awkward in that yeah. building. I think I think they're cheering for Howard, man, because <laughs> I mean, no one did that better than him. No time for the Royal Rumble. You're like, yay! Think the ten so it's over sixty thousand fans in a venue that the main capacity because it varies from whatever show they're doing, but uh, is around sixty four thousand. I've heard for some concerts or sporting events, and some depend how they arrange the game extend up to seventy thousand. Jeez, but it was actually considered a big thing for the WF to get that many people in a building for a pay per view, especially yeah. one that size. Because obviously, ninety five, ninety six was a big issue. Attendance was a big issue, like yeah. to the point where across ninety five, ninety six, so their like house shows were being cancelled because not enough tickets were sold. <laughs> like they were struggling to sell out in ninety six, late ninety six, some raw tapings were struggling to sell out. Like, even in, like, 95, they had to temporarily for a couple of years stop doing the whole thing they used to do, and they would have an A-team house show, and then a B-team one, yeah. where, like, the IC chamber would be on top, because by 95, like, late 95, the roster was so thin, mm. they couldn't really draw, because, like, because the case of, like, who the fuck do we put on top in the B-house shows, because there's a case we just do everybody in the one house show, and even those weren't doing... I suppose also at that time period, 97, that was when the NWO was riding and Hollywood Hogan was riding high. That was when WCW was kicking their ass. Oh, yeah, because late 96 was a hot period because the NWO was still fairly new. People are are joining. You never know who's going to... Who's like, going to be like in it? The previous month they had Starcade, which was headlined by Piper versus uh, Hogan, Hogan, was it? Yeah. yeah. And then didn't he, January, didn't he technically win the belt in that one and then get fucked? Well, no, I think they, they screwed over by randomly saying, oh, it's a non-title match, but then Piper won cleanly, kind of. Yeah. But then they had, uh, in January, NWO was so popular that they tried doing NWO sold out, yeah. which, is, which is universally considered like a bad idea. In yeah. Hindsight, but... 
at the time, in case of this same month, like NWO, that's that thing's so hot on the other channel, they're so good they're running their own show branded after them and yeah. WF's getting their asses kicked and everything. So Vince, like I don't know why he suddenly thought that, oh yeah, like we should run this massive venue even though like we're, popularity we're wise popularity wise you're not doing that well. And when I get to the AAA stuff, you know, there's some information about how they managed to get certain numbers of people into the venue. And so there's a particular number that they're suggesting that out of these 60,000, maybe not all 60,000 maybe paid for their tickets. Yeah, so it may have been like the way, like the WCW were operating in the end times, you know, like letting people come to watch. Kind of, you know, I'll get into more of that later. And even like the buy rate is like 244,000 buys. Is that good? Well, I mean, I think it should be good. Uh, I mean, for a big four preview, maybe it's going to be slightly higher because the previous year, ninety six, was two hundred and sixty thousand. So, yeah. so it's down like eighteen. No, it's down by like sixteen thousand from the previous year. Dang. So and again, like I said, it's one of your big four kind of events in this kind of venue. Yeah. So I think WWF want to be in a big ring to show the yeah, showcase the idea of like, oh look how big we are, the WWF. Everything. Yeah, look at us and and San Antonio. The- all that kind of crap. I know, so this is also a couple of months after they just they ran Madison Square Garden for uh, Survivor Series, which that I think was a sellout because again the reports in ninety five they couldn't or ninety six they couldn't sell out Madison Square Garden. Yeah. So the kids are like, oh, we're like, so the WF is still trying. We can sell it Madison Square Garden. We can sell it the Alamo Dome. You know, we're the biggest game in town. Yeah. Uh, even though they'll, they'll run a uh, very much a smaller arena than World One Horizon for WrestleMania like thirteen. Really? You know, I mean, like. It's not like an arena, it's a, you know, it's not a big stadium thing you expect WrestleMania being, but they had a run, they were just running, you know, decent arenas for mm. WrestleManias, but like, how do you went from MSG, the Alamo Dome, and then, you know, the Rose One Horizon, which I don't know how big exactly it was, but it definitely looks smaller compared to these shows. Well, I remember in watching Mania 13, it looked a pretty good show. Yeah, I mean, not the show, but I'm talking about like the look of the venue. I like, I like the setup in this, because like, also a lot of, you know, open up a lot of seats. Like you just yeah. got a big. I like the look of the stage. The lasers going around it. Yeah, that's cool. Rumble cool. logo and then shoot the time drawn like where it can show people coming in and out. They look good. The tagline is with big picture Shawn Michaels on the border. No more, Mister Nice Guy, <laughs> which I think is very fitting with the the whole that overly dramatic black and white video package. Yeah, the video like oh, and at the end of that match, he was he wasn't concerned with titles. He was more concerned about the welfare of his childhood mentor. They're like, oh, the boyhood dream that came true last year at WrestleMania. It's, it's a weirdly edited thing of Shawn Michaels looking out of a window while seeing himself holding up the WF title at yeah, WrestleMania yeah, 12. Yeah, trying their best to make him look so sympathetic and heroic and mature. Oh, yeah, because... Uh, and the idea is that, oh, like, that boy, the boy returns home. Oh, man. Yeah. The idea, like, oh, the flamboyant Sean, who cared about being the WF champion, despite the fact you try to make him as this all... Oh, goody too, she's loving the fans, being facing like, but he wasn't concerned about that. He cared about his mentor who's having a heart attack. Wink, wink. Yeah. And, and it's just a case of like, please, he's in the hometown, please like Sean, he's from here. But also on the Raws, which I found out through like the Wrestling Bios Great Series, We Live in the War, which yeah. you should all watch, like clips you see of Sean between Survivor Series and this, I may have referenced it before, but basically Vince is going on the offensive to, you know, say that, oh, maybe some people don't like Sean's attitude, maybe he rubs them the wrong way. They could say, I think it's him going on the offensive after the whole fans booing him out the fucking building at Madison Square Garden. And the phrasing he uses is, 
oh, some people don't like Sean, you know, because he, cause he dances, because he lives a different life, because he has long hair and everything. Like, are you trying to imply that people think Sean's gay and that's why they hate him? Yeah. Not just, and it's not just that, I think it's almost like Vince is implying that Sean is gay, like, people don't like Sean because of that, like, yes, but he's not, though. He's, he's very flamboyant, but people don't like him because he acts like a dick yeah. at this point. He and is a dick. Being perfectly honest, when you see his attire for the walkout, mm. I still think he's pretty flamboyant. I've got to be honest. He calls himself a boy toy and he dresses like that. <laughs> and and I'll tell you about like, hey, how he acts. How he, hey, Christmas tree! Yeah, yeah, I think he said how he acts like a dick. And we'll talk about it more in the Final Four show when we do, when we ever get to it, but he's only, he's a few weeks away from one of his biggest dickhead moves. Oh, you mean he loses his smile? No, he, he had it He had it somewhere, he forgot where he put it. He, like, he lost it in transit. <laughs> oh, God, it always happens here. Hate it when you lose your smile. He didn't lose his smile when Sid Powerbomb his ass at Madison Square Garden. He lost his title. Many people were smiling though that evening. Oh, yes, oh, yes. I, like I say, I loved Sean, but even I cheered Sid when he won that because Sid was a man. Well, maybe talk about it when we get to the main event, but like, let's look at this black and white over dramatic video package. <laughs> then look at the video package they played before the main event. They're pretty much identical. Like, oh, yeah, they're yeah. across the, You could intercut both of these and swap their places around, you wouldn't notice any difference. Yeah, at the start of the pay-per-view. Love him. He's from here. He's a mature man now. He just wants to look after his little mentor. Love him. He's Sean. Love him. Yeah, which I think this would actually be the last appearance on TV of Jose Lothario. Mm-hmm. I think he first appeared in the training montages and lead up to WrestleMania. And he then did. He, he did. And then he would be his like mentor. So I think it's a case of like, well, it came full circle. He became if Gigi's boyhood dream went through all these trials. Maybe he's won the belt back in his hometown. He doesn't need Jose anymore. Yeah. Maybe it's a case of Jose couldn't be arsed putting up with Sean treating him like shit. Yeah, because he did treat Jose like an asshole. Oh yeah. And Jim Cornette makes sure people know that, that Sean treated Jose like shit whenever he mentions it. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, like, Sean nowadays, right? Sean nowadays can be all holier than low and apologetic, but there's no ignoring the fact that during his prime and during his peak, he was a complete asshole. Yeah, there are times he does own up to, but then there are other times where, you know, if you, I think you can tell when interviews or on live shows or Q&As, he, you can tell there are, depending on what the incident is, maybe if it comes, if it's involved Bret Hart or someone like that, I remember his family, you can tell there's a bit of awkwardness around Sean where he doesn't like where you live in. Yeah, like, he doesn't like getting getting reminded of how much of a cunt he was. Yeah. Or how much of a cunt he may still be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, even, like, he didn't even, I think he maintained he didn't know about the screw job until, like, he came back in his previous, in his second run. Oh, aye, aye, right, aye, okay. Aye. Like you, I think in interviews he even said, "Oh, I didn't know about it." And then yes, you did. But then recent years he sort of like I fucking hated that, like the idea of carrying this around with me, like trying to act like I didn't know about it. Like then just fucking tell someone that you did. Yeah, because they know Admit you were. It, you they were knew you were lying. You came up with the idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, was it not? Was it not Triple H said? Well, if he was going to do business, just fucking do it for him. There are a lot of people credited with mentioning it. A lot of people basically just said off. Oh. <laughs> I think John Cornette says that in the, in terms of a. Uh, like he knew an example where there was a similar situation, so he just said, screw him. And then there were people like Triple H who basically just came in and said, oh, fuck him, just screw him out of it. Just, we'll get it off on one way or the other. Aye. See, Triple H was always thinking business. Business. He thought, fuck him. Mm. If he doesn't want to do business, we will do business for him. And Sean was like, good, I'm going to get the title. There were... But Sean was a dick, right? I'm sorry to cut in here, sure. but Sean was a dick. But Brett himself was a petulant little bitch. 
you know, Sean was a dick, but Brett was a different kind of dick. So, uh, there are two dark matches on this show, like involving Triple A guys before the free throw, which was also a Triple A match. Uh, you had Pero Aguayo Jr. and Venom defeating Manaco and Mos- Mosco de la Merce. I, I didn't rehearse pronouncing these until after. That's okay. I, I do a Japanese wrestling show in East, East Earth, so I'm good at pronouncing Japanese wrestlers' names. Mexican names. Not so much. Not so much. And I apologise if I offend anyone. That match went 10 minutes, and then Blue Demon Jr., Octagon, and Tenablis Jr. defeated Abysmal Negro, Heavy Metal, and Hysteria. So, did Heavy Metal wrestle twice on this fucking show? He did. That went 14 minutes. Pero Aguayo Jr., the son of the Pero Aguayo Sr., wrestled on the show. Paraguayo, they say, oh, he's only 17 years old when he did this. Yeah. Sadly, he would pass away. I think he was only 35. He passed away in 2015 in a freak accident while wrestling. And Multiman Max involved Rey Mysterio as well. I think Ray got unfairly blamed by some people. Oh, was that that match? Yeah, he, he landed wrong when he went to land the ropes for a 619. Yeah, broke his neck. And then, aye, so it was like a freak accident. And then some people unfairly blamed Ray for yeah, it. Even though it wasn't Ray, felt, Ray felt awful about that. Oh, yeah, yeah. That kind of messed them up for a while. Because like in twenty fourteen, like even because like in twenty fourteen, fans of WWE were getting sick, and so he went away from he left WWE for a while, but he couldn't go on the Indies for a while because of some bullshit WWE pulled his contract. So yeah. this was one of his first proper matches back, and then this happened to him. So that really affected him. Yeah, it kind of affected him the same way the shit with draws affected yeah. Devo. You know, yeah. I think that still affects Devo to this day. And then we had a a AAA minis match on oh, the future. Masquerade. Sig- Mascarata Sagrada Jr. and La Parkerita, which is basically a mini's version of WCW wrestled La Parka, <laughs> and defeated Mini Mankind and Mini Vader oh. in 4 minutes 29. Oh. Okay then. And then we get the uh, the opening very package, as I said, with the boy becoming a man. Then we get Starburst Fruit Twist, which will present the Royal Rumble. <laughs> oh. And then we also we get, we have a. JR King and uh, Vince obviously bring yeah. us into the show. One of the logos is a, just a massive cowboy yeah, and a big yeah, star yeah, yeah. because we're in Texas. Texas. I've got to be honest with you, by the way, I don't know if I'm correct on this, but see the, the music they play on the intro? Hmm. I think that's different from the tape, too. I don't think I've watched it. I remember, like, I think I have seen the tape because one of the first times I was about you, you put on the Rumble 97. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mainly because you tell me about. The Bulldogs promo. Yeah, and I didn't yeah. believe. I don't think I believed it. So we always said we weren't. We were talking mostly during it and ever since. We weren't paying too much attention. But when Bulldog came out, I was like, "Watch, watch, here he is!" And he was like, "Who's gonna win the Royal Rumble? The Bulldog. Yeah, I'm gonna win because I'm the British Bulldog and I'm bizarre." <laughs> and you're like, "Yes, you fucking are, man. Yes, you, you are. You big roided up mental case. <laughs> you big crazy bastard." Also, something I don't like about this show is. Why the fuck are the video packages playing after one of the participants is already in the ring? Yeah, yeah, that really is kind of stupid. It is. Yeah. And also, the first time I skip promo packages in the main event does as well. Uh, no video package for Taker versus Vader, which would have helped explain how you got here. Yeah. And then, obviously, no info about the AAA guys, other than JR and King and Vince scrambling on it. Quite honestly, because at the time, I don't think many people cared. But we do get one for the open contest, which is the Intercontinental Championship match. Between Gold Dust and Hunter Hurst Humsley. Yes. Who's Connecticut Blue Blood. Who's accompanied by Mr. Hughes for because, this show and this show only. Because Vince didn't 
at that point didn't want to have a woman bodyguard. Mm-mm. I think Vince. I think Triple H and Sean tricked Vince. Well, I think there was interest in WC from WCW for China, but I think they Sean and Triple H over overestimated how much they wanted and basically oversold it to Vince. Like, you know, and WCW are probably going to snap her up. You need to take oh, advantage now. You mean Triple H and Sean did to Vince what Marty Jannetty did to Sean? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Bullshitted. You bullshit them, yeah. And then, eventually, WCW would get Asia. Why is she called Asia? Because Asia is bigger than China. Yeah. And that was that big freakish woman that was in the WWF for all of, like, two seconds. Mm. Anyway, so and then the video package is because he's done this gold dust face turn, and yeah. by face turn I mean admit that he's not gay. Yeah. Taking away all the ambiguity, he's for me to say, of Goldust's character, the whole android's like, oh, he, he acts very manboy, he rubs other men, then he's, he's very affectionate with this woman that's with him, his yeah. director. Well, come on, like, well, aren't you? What? what? Well, you know. No. And, <laughs> and then that gets a pop from the girl, like, what? Yeah, he's not gay. I can cheer for him and not feel weird about it <laughs> because I'm an insecure man in the nineties. <laughs> but the thing is, we get we get them coming out. Goldust comes out looking cool as shit, and he probably gets, in my opinion, and I'll let you cut back. But he probably gets, in my opinion, one of his best entrances. I was gonna say, I like, seen. I like, like the filter they kind of got most of the whole shattered dreams. No, shit but and see everything. when he gets in the ring and he yeah. gets like, uh, like yes, yeah, some good pyro from people on this show. Like, yeah. got that weird kind of like thing that comes in with the lights, the circle thing. Which Daryl Lord asks, is that a flying saucer at one point <laughs> in the show? And basically imply like who are both men trying to outdo the other. Like, does Triple H really want to take Marlene for his own, or is he just trying to fuck with Yolda? Or yeah. And, is, Gold- and then they're like, is Goldust really straight or is he just messing with Hunter? It's just it's just more of his mind games. Also, in the video package, they show Hunter with a belt and it's white, but in this show, it's went back to now to the black strap. Yeah, yeah. I think it would stay the black strap up until they got rid of that belt and brought in the oval. Yeah. And then when they brought back the classic version in 2011, it would go back to the white yeah, strap as well. Yeah. No, I think the white strap looked pretty decent on Hunter. I've got to be honest, it looked good on him. Yeah. But at that, at that point... <laughs> I did not like him. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's been a while since we did it in your house, so is this the first properly time he's come out to Otage, or has he done it before? Because I know he did the do-do-do-do song, I but then, think, then maybe he has Otage. I think that was... I think that was the first time, like, well, definitely the first pay per view time he came out to the joint. It takes a wee while, and then you call the case in the hoo hoo hoo. I loved that fucking Roby as well, mm. and that was cool. That was a good rope. He didn't get a chance to really show it off, though, because he's coming in. And Goldust immediately jumps at the ring and proceeds to beat the living piss out of him. So, like, I've got you know, the key refer the key one. But is that is that Mister Mister Hughes? It looks like it looks like Curtis Hughes. Like, who else fucking looks like Curtis Hughes? Have you seen yeah. Curtis Hughes? Like, and Triple H expressed in documentaries the way he told me like how very much disinterested he was in having Curtis Hughes as his quote unquote butler here and went and I put it here Triple H has Mister Hughes as his enforcer. He fails to stop Goldust from tackling Triple H on the ramp. Yes, yes. Like, and I've got to say, he must have had an awful sore face during that match because all that fucking way he was coming in with. Yeah, feeling that face. Like, when he tackled him, it's like when Roger's working at CIA in American Dad and if he, he falls over and playing with his globe. Why did you let that happen? He was like, you saw him running at me, you, you knew it was going to happen. He stood there. Why did you stand there? <laughs> but no, for a large part of this match, Goldust does beat the piss out of him. Yeah, which is weird because it's Hunter doing all the selling as the healer. I know it's a case of like, 
he's pissed off, you know, he went after my woman. Yeah. That's meant to make him look relatable and everything. But you see, like, the minute, the minute he changes, like, the minute, as you say, they take all the androgyny and, and big ambiguity away from him, uh-huh. he turns into this viciously, mm-hmm. like, hard-hitting motherfucker, you know what I mean? Yeah. And he's, like, pounding him with hits, he's, like, dropping them on his knee, he even drops the fucking stairs on his back at the one point, and never, all through it. Like JR and Ken and Vince are going, oh well, how how much of this is referee going to allow to stand? Yeah, like, oh, referee's question. And then the breaking point apparently for Earl Hebner is not allowing Triple H to use Marlena's director's chair. Yeah, yeah. That, that's too far. But these massive steps, which I know in real life probably aren't as heavy as they look, but they probably hurt a lot more getting dropped yeah. down than a, than a wooden chair. Well, come on, Goldust dropped the flat end of him right on his spine. You mm-hmm. know, what I mean, that didn't that didn't look fun. Like the first two matches at the case of all, the referee's letting this go. And they say, well, if this is an indication of referee's discretion, what's the main event going to look like? But other than the finish, where they an object got brought in, like, main event wasn't anything near close no, to this. No, no. The, the, the opening match, I feel, was more exciting. Yeah. This, they really should have sorted around and add more of this kind of shit to the main event, I thought. Yeah, they should have had Goldust wrestling for the title. <laughs> Gold magic. Goldust Psycho said in a main event for the title, can you imagine? Yeah. Yes. Goldust trying to do his uh, his Goldust like rubbing up. Well, I mean, just going on general build. Or I mean, they did mention that like one, but I think it was Vince that mentioned that most likely that Goldust had a weight and size advantage on Hunter at that point. Mm. You know, like a strength yeah. advantage as well. And if you look at Goldust, like just general size of the guy, yeah. he's a big dude. I think you see like Pete still doing film references. Goldust, they have a feud with said. Mainly so I could do a you know, could do a vignette of, of Goldust basically parodying the film Psycho. <laughs> because because cool. Psycho said basically got the Psycho music for his entrance music, but yeah, Goldust is just beating his like yeah, steps. Beating him good. Uh Atomic Drop uh does turn the tide after uh Atomic Drop at one point, but then Goldust immediately sends them back to it. So it's constantly the yeah. belly in the ring, then back on the outside. Triple H, even when he's on offense beating down Goldust, which again keeps happening in Hunter matches where crowd are loud, I think it's because her, maybe her effect over how much he's here is a snobby heel that whenever he's getting beaten up Crowder are all hot but Crowder always silent whenever he's on offense he's the yeah, one beating someone we up we don't care yeah he's like we just want to watch you get beat up some more and then even when he's doing like, his knee drop and everything he does it with his, yeah. the, the, with the injured knee and uh, he's like oh I think at one point he gets locked in the figure four which you know I'm sure he like, like no don't lock me in the figure four that's my idol's finisher <laughs> Don't beat me with my idol's finisher, no. I, I want to be like Ric Flair. Also, no, but basically, fuck whatever happened in this match, because Todd Payton's got some country singer in the crowd. Oh, That's weird. Split Do you know, I don't dislike Todd Pentengill, but I do dislike Todd Pentengill. He's such a douche. He really is. He's got to be coming winding down his time, because I think people like Kevin Kelly and Michael Cole will be taking over yeah, his role in a while. You see, you see Pentengill, and for God's sake, Pentengill, go away. Like this is the intercontinental title here, and you're talking shit to some country wank who no one knows anyway. You would think also that's going to be certainly a live microphone. So one thing you're watching split screen at home, right? Imagine you're in the arena, you're watching, and then all you hear is Todd Bay, and you're like, "Fuck's that coming for?" You fucking Pentagon, little rock. I love you, man. I listen to you. Like no one cares, Pentagon. Fuck off. Also, I've noticed that uh, given the past rounds we talked about, like the IC title match seems to be like a a real staple of the undercard for the Rumble. Oh yeah, yeah. And I actually looked up a little bit. I think from ninety, I think ninety two may have been the first time the IC title was defended on a Rumble. But from then to two thousand and two, 
That would actually become a stable. Actually, every year the Rumble would have an IC title match. Yeah. And just for fun, I'm going to list them for you, obviously. 92, Piper defeats uh, the Mounted to win the title. Yeah. 93, Sean defeats Defend, Martin. Uh, defends his Re- title. Retains over right. 94, Razor retains over IRS after a, a weird change of decision because Sean tries to cost uh, Razor. So it looks like actually IRS has won the title then and yeah. that record's in the swap finish. Basically, he retains. 95, Jeff Jarrett beats Razor Ramon. To win the IC title. Yep. 96. On Tuesday, it costs uh, Razor to, to Goldust. Ironically, yeah. so a year later, Goldust is back in the IC title scene. Goldust, Triple H, we're going to talk about that here. 98, uh, Ken Shamrock Rock mar- narrowly avoids Ken Shamrock and lead up to the WrestleMania 14 match. Mm-hmm. 99, Ken Shamrock defends against Billy Gunn. Uh huh. 2000, there's a weird triple threat match between Jericho, China, and Hardcore Holly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Jericho wins. 2001, wasn't that the one where like Jericho and China were like co-holders and yeah. that was to decide who was going to be the definitive yeah. holder of the belt? Yeah, and Hargrove like, got in weird random wins against both of them because the other didn't want the other to lose the belt. Like so they won by like DQ or whatever, and then yeah. Hargrove basically like, "I'm sick. I want to be in your now champion. Then I'm going to beat everybody." <laughs> then 2001, Jericho and Ben will have a very vicious when you watch the back ladder match for the IC title, which I think Jericho wins. Yeah, yeah Jericho because he walks in May seventeen as champion. Then 2002, Roger Meagle, using Brass Knucks, defeats Edge for the Intercontinental title. And that, and that is the IC title of the early, early Royal Rumbles. Thank you for watching. Cool. <laughs> then I don't think it would be defended for a good few years after that, until... I don't remember, I don't know when. Until a later date. Because like, all, all, all the ones after that I can think of, the IC champs and the Rumble from most uh, ones after that. The next one I can think of, weirdly, is... Maybe 2016 yeah. after that, which is Ambrose versus uh, Kevin Owens in a last man standing match. Who is that? I think Ambrose wins that to retain, but then loses that a few weeks later anyway to oh, Owens. Good. Yeah. Uh, cause I think Ambrose had other things to do at WrestleMania, so they wanted to get the IC belt off him. But I, because like, between those two, between that and the Rio match at 02, all I can think of is the IC champion being in the Rumble itself. Yeah. So there, there's a random th- fact for you. I'm full of useless information. It's good information, man. It's good. Triple, triple H. Your, your, your information is not boring me. This heat is destroying me. That is all. Yeah, yeah. But, like, Triple H, again, doing a flare thing. He's begging off all the thoughts when he's on his office. Mm-hmm. Trying to find, like, like, he almost pulls the ref in front of him to get me kicking I know, what, was, what was that bit where he was holding the ref's hand? He's like, help me. Don't let him hit me. Or the typical one where he accidentally knocks into the ref as goal is going to the top. So the goal is oh, crotches. Yeah, yeah. Also, we get to see Triple H go to the top because he goes up. And flies to the outside with an axe handle and a gold dust. Yeah, where you see from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so nice to see Hunter go to the top. Uh, like I said, he's selling the... And then, but anyway, I, I guess, I don't know why, maybe it's one of those like Mandela effect kind of thing where he falls to remember <laughs> something. I was convinced this match ended by DQ. Because I know these two will fight, not for the title, but they'll fight again at WrestleMania 13. Mm-hmm. So the feud continues after this, so... I assume there was going to be some weird DQ finish to continue the feud onward. No, no, it was just interference from Hughes, <laughs> and then you know, like the annoying fact is that Goldust gets the fucking the shot on him with the title. Goldust whacks him one with the belt, and he's going for it. And but, but like Hughes passes under the belt, he, he chooses to waste time trying to kiss Marlena, and then Goldust gets the belt. I assumed the ref was going to like turn around, catch him using the belt, and then like go DQ, like Goldust no. likes. To, then, well, there's a tandem with it. Yeah. Hits him with it. Referees know they're uh, 
then Mr. Hughes, well, he pins him, Mr. Hughes puts his foot on the rope. No, Mr. Hughes pulls him out of the ring. Yeah. But then, uh, Goldust basically grabs one of cigar and just puts it out on Mr. Hughes. Oh, yeah. no, So no. being proven very ineffective other than pulling him out. And then Triple H just catches him with a clothesline pedigree, which struck, which JR I think goes, no one gets up from there. Like, you fucking wait till 2002 to 2005, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Triple H retains in 16 minutes and 50 seconds. Cool, cool. It's, it's, it seemed painful to watch because A, at the time, I was much more of a gold dust man <laughs> and B, fucking, he did all the work. The team did all the work. It's weird, Triple H sold, I think, a bit more than a heel should have done, but again, it's not. it wasn't a bad match. In terms of openers, you could have worse. Yeah, and like I say, it was a lot more enthralling than the main event was for <laughs> me. Then we get uh, there's a couple of times a couple of things we show where we get some pre-tape promos for the Royal Rumble. You got Bret Hart and his black and his shades. Yeah, he and leans his, into and his ca- black t-shirt and his crappy shades sitting there going, oh, well, I'm going to win it because, you know, I'm the bestest and I'm going to win because, you know, I'm Bret Hart and everyone's fucking with me, but I'm going to win anyways. I'm really Bret Hart. Yeah. I love, love that he leans right into the camera so we can get a good reflection of the cameraman and his shades. Yeah. Well. <laughs> like, I'm a Mars man, but that's no different for the excellence of execution. I cut to see a man came from in the, uh, the boiler and he's rocking back over like... Oh, yeah, he's like, a lot of people see the Royal Rumble is an opportunity for a shot at the World Wrestling Federation title. I see it as an opportunity to hurt a lot of people I don't like. Some what I do. Have a nice day. <laughs> that was my favourite mm-hmm. mankind. And then we got Ahmed Johnson oh, versus Farouk. Big bad Johnson. <laughs> bad in a lot of ways. Yes. <laughs> but... PG got PG thirteen rapping uh, the in the uh, song to ring. That was a big thing for me with the Nation of Domination when I first watched this with you because I knew of Nation of Domination as the other version like the Farouk, yeah, Rock, Farouk Kama, Kama. Dilo, Mark Henry. You knew the, pr- the proper black version of the Nation. Yeah, one with, with actual with proper black members who wrestled. Yeah, instead of a black congregation and Savio and Crush. And Savio wasn't even in it at this point either. Zyra comes out just as Savio later on in the Rumble. Yeah. I think he does a thing where he technically looks like he's joined on an episode Saturday night and then comes to Raw like, has he joined, has he not? Like, he clearly has and they, they do it on the show like, yes, Savio has joined the nation. So the main wrestlers in the nation are Farouk, who is black, Crush, who's white, white and Savio, Pop, who's Puerto Rican. Rican. Well, the nation yeah. of domination. Of multiculturalness. Yes. If you want to sell it as that, but like it's very clearly like inspired by the Black Panthers and everything, which could, even down to what Farouk is wearing, like yeah, you've got like, D'Lo in there, like the African. I'm, I mean, I'm sure there are wrestlers in like like PG13 were a USWA tag team, they were former USWA tag team champions. Yeah, they had a, ma- a couple of matches on Raw. They once challenged the Smoking Guns on an episode yeah, of Raw. So they were a tag team. You had D'Lo in there and a couple of guys. I'm assuming were wrestlers. D'Lo was in there. The yeah, he was in there. I think he was. You couldn't really see him, but I think, I'm assuming. Some of the guys around it were also wrestlers, so they could take bumps. So was he? Was he? Like, was Dilo the one that took that big bump through the table? No, no, that was not him, unfortunately. But like Dilo, you know, he'd been smoking around. I think it's his proper break into the to the dub. Yeah, and then you got Clarence Mason, who's just like a mouthpiece. And uh, he's like a skinny black version of Jim Cornette. So like he he comes out. Uh, so they all came out, and I remember being surprised when I first watched it, like, Jesus, like, not only that this was the lot of nation looked like, but there was just so many of them. Uh, far too many full, of them. Full crew. So, far too many of them. And, like, clearly they're not used to singing it live because they're not timed it well with the bits of the like, nation. 
I've done it, I think. Because <laughs> uh, I think it's meant to, like, they, they, they kind of stop that, that na- the loud bit of the nation comes in. But then it, it works out to the fact that they, it works out that they are singing, and over them singing, you're nation. I don't have a nation. <laughs> I mean, I love the, the nation song, basically this original one. Yeah. But, you know. So they all come in, and then we get a video package, which basically explains a point I was going to make anyway, that, you know, Ahmed Johnson, he was on the rise, he was Kuwaiti Cup trophy, he won the Intercontinental title, he did all this and that. Yeah, and, and then pissed off Farouk and got kicking. And he got kicked in the injured his, his kidneys and everything, and then he had to, to fight back against Farouk. And basically, the, street, the start of this feud with Farouk and that kidney injury is the beginning of the downturn of Ahmed Johnson. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, had, from what I've read, he had it coming. But after this, he couldn't like stop getting injured, which stopped because he could have rebuilt when he came back, but he just couldn't stop getting injured. Yeah, yeah. And like this is like I anticipate much like this is like you got first attacked in July, like the raw after international incident when Fruit comes out in that weird gladiator thing and batters him. Yeah. And then he also did it, debuts the nation at Survivor Series. And then, oh, that, that really shit back and forth uh, and uh, it's time. And then you got Oh, this. yeah, yeah. Was that when the only thing you could actually audibly fucking understand with Ahmed is when he was going, You're going down! You're going down! Yeah, pretty much, yeah. It's, and everybody else in their heads are going, You're going nowhere! You're going nowhere! You're a dick! I think this is one of the only proper, like, pay-per-view singles matches, at least between these two as part of this fucking feud. Yeah. They'll have Molly Man matches. And yeah, they have, like, that. those weird ones. Like, I think he had one where it was him and LOD. Mm-hmm. And then he, they're going to do some weird gauntlet kind of thing at uh, an upcoming in your house. Then there's the whole thing of him temporarily joining, and that's the whole thing. Yeah, and then like he joined, but they all hated him anyway. And then they went, "Hey, here's a better idea. This guy will rock. Yeah, he's not a dick. Hmm. Let's get him in the damn thing." So, I I, th- I think I may have said this before, but I'll say it again here. I don't think there's been a few that's went on so long, <laughs> but so little has actually happened in it. As the Ahmed Farouk feud. Yeah, like, it's just the same thing. You're growing third. You, you're holding black people down. Yeah, like, you're ins- an Uncle Tom. And certain like, black insults to, yeah. to uh, group beatdown. Farouk tries to run away even though he took stuff. He tries to run away and then all the other nation members get a kick in. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much it. You never noticed that through that whole thing. It was never really Farouk who took a kick in. It was everyone around Farouk who took a kick mm-hmm. in. That's why those people were there to take a kick in. They, they all get described as fucking uh, street gang everything. Johnson again... This is far too similar to the last match because he like he runs to the ring to get it to get at uh, Farouk. Although you can imagine from the lasers in the spot, you see the camera looking down at big muscly Ahmed, and you can just hear Vince going "Wow!" Like because Vince like big muscly man. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure Vince was going "Wow" when you got that unfortunate fucking shot of Ahmed's thong. Near enough. <laughs> I had, I had to look away there. I was like, for God's sake, Ahmed, you're doing a Mickey James. You got a, you got a tough ass, like, fucking Ron Simmons trying to act all scared and trying to run away from fucking Ahmed Johnson. Yeah. Like, oh, 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 trying to run away from uh, Crush, throws a whip into him to use the weapon, but Ahmed gets it and he starts whipping Farouk and everything. Again, referee just letting stuff happen. So, like, oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Far too similar to the last match. And not, not, all, and not, the, all these undercard matches are going to be no DQs, unofficially. But, <laughs> Like, this is too similar to the last match, but not nearly as entertaining, in my opinion. No, 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 no. no. First match, entertaining. <laughs> Second match, that's a match. But then Farouk goes after the back and the kidneys. He even drops, like, he falls out of a chair and then drops Ahmed, like, side. Mm. The he looked rough. And then, yeah, he starts working him over kidney shots and everything. And so he's working over 
Ahmed, and this is what I said, when people aren't making noise in the Elmo Dome, it's it's even more awkward yeah, because it's definitely. just silence, like, and they are silent when Farouk is beating up Ahmed Johnson. Yeah. Much like when they were when Triple H was beating I up Buddy Golden. I don't see why they were silent watching, you know, a legit wrestler beating up a big daddy. Mm-hmm. The point where he starts joyriding with members of the nation, maybe on the crowd, and Ahmed's kind of, he said, kind of feels like, so he gets up and kind of raises for a cup and tail and chair, like, no, 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 mm-hmm. <laughs> just drops him out. <laughs> Uh, uh, oh, I'm kind of proud. I tried to insert little clips and now what I make there, and so I don't make forget these jokes. I think yeah, in my yeah. head and I, I write them down here because I can think of stuff at the time. But like, I don't. I hate having a moment where I think of a joke and forget about it when I have to record. Or you like go back and you're like, oh fuck, I should have said that. So like, Ahmed throws his story to come out and then he gets here hit with spine buster. Now put here, spine buster drives the window of Ahmed and the crowd because <laughs> the crowd is starting to make noise because Ahmed's gonna and literally as soon as. Fruit gets a spine muster, silence again. Mm. <laughs> and then Ahmed quickly gets back up while he's jawjacking with the crowd again. Hits a spine muster with his only kiss. Singles out, I'm going to hit him with a power rubble plunge. <laughs> and, uh, oh, actually, yeah, I watched a couple of classic, like, listen to a couple of classic wrestling podcasts, and the, one of the ones is a classic Raw review I mentioned. Yeah, yeah. And whenever the, the one of the guys' impression is Ahmed Johnson, it's just him going, <laughs> That's just how he sounds like, I'm just, <laughs> Also, I didn't realise his real name like Tony Norris or something yeah, like that. Tony Norris. Big Tony. Big Tony, yeah, big Tony. Aye. And so he goes for the power and root casting, like, get in here, help me. And the nation run in big DQ, 8 minutes 48, but felt like felt like double the legs of the fucking match game before, even though it was half as long. Yeah. They all, they all, he goes after Farouk up on the, up on the ramp, but then another nation where just hits the weakest looking punch you've ever seen and then yeah. he just turns around now because him forget all the fruit like how dare you lightly tap me how dare you touch my face the guy's begging off he goes all the way back to the to the to the commentary table oh. and the guy takes a power plunge off a set of steps that I would set up through the French announce table poor poor Rougeau's and I've got to say it's got as per usual with Ahmed it's the clumsiest looking piece of shit I've ever fucking seen it yep. was it was so goddamn clumsy with that finisher at times. He, he, it was so weird because like the guy gets a proper bump through the fucking monitors go bouncing, and then because like it's the little part of the steps like hey, once Ahmed he falls sit- on him. Hey, Ahmed, like I even better where is it? Uh, Ahmed sends random nation member through the French announce table, nearly falls on his ass. Aye. <laughs> to quote the bulldog, we'll see later on. Fell flat on his fucking ass. Aye. Like he, he kind of, I think it's a momentum or something. Like he lifts him up and then. Kind of goes to try and base it on the wee bottom step, but then nearly just falls right on top of this uh, fucking guy. Fucking brutalise the guy and then try to shag him, you pervert. What's, what's, what's weird about it is the replays they show at us can't fucking hide his fuck up. They have to show the full thing. Yeah. At one point they show it in slow motion where you can see him going, oh, 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 yeah. as he's falling forward. Like, timber! It's like fucking Cleveland. Now, 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 now. <laughs> I gotta start wrestling my matches doing Farouk shenanigans. <laughs> I gotta stop doing these moves that I can't do. Yeah, we get a crazy Teddy Funk promo. Like, yeah. There's a lot of guys out there that are bigger than me, younger than me, but this I'm is, Texas born and bred. This is my home state, this is my home city, and I'm here to rumble. And they're like, yeah, that, that promo's maybe about four or five years out of date, man. <laughs> <laughs> but this is like four months before. Terry Funk, despite needing a new knee, yeah. everything goes to 
ECW and wins the ECW title at Barely Legal, like the whole thing from beyond that. Will I be in a tremendous amount of pain? You should be in a tremendous amount of pain now. <laughs> and then we get, uh, after that, Todd Bengiel talking to Frick and the Nation. Clarence Mason goes to the top, but Frick grabs the mic off, like, no, to, uh, he grabs two randomers from the Nation, like, you two here, don't you ever leave me out there again. I think he's wanting them to protect him, but he's fucked up, like, don't you ever leave me out there again. Like, this ain't over, I'm in. He calls him an Uncle Tom hey, again. This ain't over, you Uncle Tom. I'm gonna get you, boy. <laughs> Just stuff like that. And then we get into what I genuinely think out of the four before the Rumble, out of the four matches that go for, maybe like, I like Goldust, which maybe a bit more, but this is also one of the better matches on the undercard, I think, Undertaker vs. Fader. Oh, yeah, that's a very, I, very I'm good I'm surprised match. by how much I like this. Uh, I like the fact that Undertaker has this weird, what almost sounds like wind sound effects, like, as he's coming out with the lights and everything, like, you know, one of the loudest the fans have been by this point was hearing the gong and then knowing the Undertaker's coming out, they're all up for it. Oh, God, every, t- every time I hear the gong, I'm like, oh, for God's sake, I could go make a cup of tea whilst he's coming to the ring. Would you rather that or him come out on his bike, which is quicker, but you also have to listen to the dubbed over, you've done it now. <laughs> I don't pay attention to either of them, really. You know, my favourite Undertaker entrance, being perfectly honest, was his original Undertaker entrance. You know, like like just the sombre organ music? Yeah. When he would just walk slowly and sort of unhumanly to the ring with his big ginger hair and his big hat over his face. You know what's, what's weird about the, the one on Smackdown where it's dubbed over is that, like, it plays for quite a while because, obviously, at the time, the actual song that's coming out has a bit of a long intro, so yeah. then he comes out. So we're listening to that for ages, and now I'm thinking about how annoying it would be to listen to that song dubbed over for this kind of entrance. I'm taking ages yeah. like, all the while there. You're gonna burr, you're gonna burr. <laughs> it's playing over it. Now, Let's uh, maybe briefly catch you up on how this was thrown together here, because I oh. know what because I know I joked about how by this point Vader's kind of fallen down a little bit. You no, know, didn't win the tail at Sunday, which is planned. Their backup plan to have him win at Survivor Series was giving the kibosh because she was like, "No, he pulls my hair. I don't want to work with him." Cunt. Uh, so he's fallen down. He lost that shit number one contenders match to Sid. Yeah. Uh, in your house, uh, mind games. He, there's a show named after his catchphrase. He wasn't even on it. Yep. And so he was getting smashed. But then randomly on episode of Raw, he gets a win over Bret Hart. Yay. Fairly cleanish. Then there's this whole thing with Sean and Bret kind of having a, a face-to-face. Tiger gets involved. And then Vader comes in and gets a jump on on all three of them. Yeah. And then randomly an episode of Superstar to help take for Tiger get payback on it. He, for Vader jumping him, he tombstones Jim Cornette, which is why Cornette's not with him. I think it's the end of there association yeah. so it's kind of thrown together i think it's because they realize like this whole final four angle like okay we got shot we got taker brett austin we need a third fuck it we'll put vader in but we kind of fucked with vader let's build vader back up a little bit more yeah so he can be a legit mm, threat competitor in this match i feel like a monster again not, not build him back up properly but let's build him up enough so we can use him yeah poor leon mm. And plus, like, these guys love a match in July on pay-per-view as well, and I, I've heard people, I haven't actually, I don't know if I've watched the July match where I have had, it's been ages ago, but it's a case that, like, some people will say, oh, that match is better, so I didn't know how good this match would be. I really enjoy this, like, Vader, oh, yeah, Vader yeah. tries to get the jump on Tiger and fails at that. And yeah. They do the thing where he's going for the gut, and then Tiger turns like, boop, boop, and he's punches, like, 
No, when years later, Michael Cole will try and call him the best pure striker in WWE. Like, oh, totally. Where he makes his weird noises when he punches people. Bop, 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 bop. And uh, Vader I hit you, I hit you, I hit you, I punch you. Vader keeps trying to do his typical Vader thing where he knocks you down with a big club and won't close anything. He does, he's like, <laughs> And every time Taker keeps sitting back up again, Vader tries knocking it again, sits up to the point where Vader considers, like, fuck it, I'm getting out of here. Like, yeah. I'm leaving, I can't be dealing with this. I'm gone, I'm no fighting him, he won't stay down. Up the road. Up the road. Up the road. Like <laughs> <laughs> Who's a stop to old school? Which again, I, I keep thinking, like, what do I call old school? And it's technically not old school anymore. And what's W when they watch shows and they see her call it primary school? Primary school. <laughs> again, it stops them doing the thing. Undertaker hits a, a variation of a famouser in this match just randomly out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. So leg drops to the back of the head, like somewhere the guns are annoyed, like he's taking a move, but they're too scared to talk to him about it because he's a fucking Undertaker. Yeah. I, I'm Undertaker. I will take your move. Mm. Yeah, it's a really wicked looking powerbomb, but it's not enough to get to keep Undertaker down. Taker yeah. eventually gets enough to get uh, the old school. Even with ease, as the commentators point out, he slams Vader, which gets a big reaction actually from the from the yeah, crowd. Yeah, yeah, I heard that bit was quite cool. The crowd aren't as as, as silent for Vader on offense as they were in previous years being you know offense, but you know there was some response where Vader's kind of trying to get the crowd involved as the heel. Yeah, but fuck that. Because we got to go back to another crowd interview, Paul. Yes. This little girl who's got a big t-shirt with Shawn Michaels' oh, face on it. That bit was kind of, you know... It was kind of... I know it was annoying and shit, and it was annoying because it was during one of the better matches, but it was a nice story. She really should have done between matches, like maybe before the main event, to hype up all... It's the kind of people that yeah, rallied behind Shawn in his hometown. They put it in the wrong place, but it was a nice story. Like, she's done her babysitting, and she saved up, and I was thinking to myself, like, how much does she charge for an hour for babysitting? How much would a WWF pay-per-view ticket cost at that time? Maybe she maybe she took advantage of one of the weird ways that they try to give out tickets at this point. Maybe she didn't need to spend that much at all. Uh, maybe she just went and threatened away. If you do not give me fucking top dollar for this job, I will eat your child. <laughs> you know, I think with the struggle I sell out shows, I mean, she said she follows Sean anyway, but I don't think she has to spend that much money on tickets in 96, 97. Yeah. And Todd Pettengill trying to make trying to send this out, but this girl's clearly not putting up with these Todd Pettengill shenanigans. Yeah, she's, look, I like I love Sean. Sean's my guy. I went and did a good bit of work to fucking come and see him. Fuck off. He's like, yeah, I, I follow Sean. You follow me? What? How'd you say about your money? A baby say? Well, that's pay all this money. How many babies did you have to sit? She goes, yeah, I, I just saved my money. She doesn't even she doesn't even answer the question. Yeah, well, come on. No one wants to talk to Todd Pentengill. Not even Todd Pentengill wants to talk to Todd Pentengill. Anyway, back to the invaders wailing into the Undertaker and everything. Yeah. And it's as Taker's making his comeback, you know, it is a decent because you forget how big Undertaker can be. Oh yeah. Even yeah. though Vader's got like a hundred or so pounds on him, it's still a good like back and forth. I know it's it's one of those few like Taker versus a monster matches that you can actually enjoy. You yeah, know? it's not like it's not like something like say Taker v Bundy or something. Yeah. You know what I mean. Or take her veil with giant Gonzalez. Oh, Jesus, we must never speak of that. But then out comes Paul Bear, who they really overdid it on the makeup, how white he is, because then you can see parts of his neck, we can see what what colour he colour his skin actually is. Oh, he looks think... a slightly, he looks a slightly bit tan, and you see all white he is. Like, Jesus, you've overdone it on the makeup, lads. I think he looked good, you know, and he came out. He was there. He's, he was playing the shtick up. He was like got a weird wee fat man grin on his face, mm-hmm. and. 
Fucking Undertaker and Vader are going at it. So just as he comes down, Undertaker got Vader out of the ring. But then first, first before that, obviously, Taker oh, yeah, yeah. sees him immediately tries to get Vader. And he's like, he's like, no, no, please, Undertaker. No, but it's the it's the thing, right? Is when when he's coming down to the ring, I fucking loved what Undertaker did. Like he got he got Vader out of the ring, mm-hmm. and he just casually walks back and then backflips over the top rope, Aye. turns around and fucks Paul Bearer right in the jaw. And then he sets Vader across the middle rope. He's going to jump off these steps mm. on a, on a uh, Vader. Ah, he sets up the steel steps so he can kind of do a long run from Aye. the side of the ring up and dive yeah. and do a hit. But like just as he's diving, Paul Bearer pulls Vader out of the way. Last pause second, they time it really well here as well. Mm. And mm. Vader just lands there and then... <laughs> Paul Bearer gets on the apron, dives off and whacks him, taking the back of the head with the arm. And immediately falls on his ass. Yeah. It lands back. Which again, that, which again. Which again. That's an extreme high spot for Paul Bearer. Yeah. Really, he's not not the most graceful of landings. Like, and again, even when it's in slow motion, the replays, every time it, it happens, immediately it shows the slow motion of Paul Bearer just falling. Fuck oh, he's like a, he's like a wee creepy pudding. <laughs> you know, he's a wee creepy pudding. And then, something that surprised me from this show, rolled back in the ring, Vader Ball. One, two, three. Vader pins the Undertaker. Clean. Ish. Cleanish. With, with well, Paul Bearer's involvement and but Well, like you say, if we're trying to sort of build, sort of build him back up, he needs a cleanish win, yeah. doesn't he? And it's a weird, interesting combination, Vader with a manager like Paul Bearer being formed, because it's a, sort of almost a mini-association with Mankind as well, because the two will, yeah, will team at WrestleMania. I when they were walking back up well after the, <laughs> after the, the victory. <laughs> if I mean, Paul Bearer's but he's like, ah, easy Ozzy. Got it, sorted. And then Taker is pissed off. Oh man, that the, the reaction after it, like, he turns into the revs, that was fucking throttling, he's like, you fucking dick, I got cheated there, you cunt. And he, he just probably deadlifts him off the ground, just slams yeah, after a battle with a chest slam. He's throwing out a fit at the ring, so he yells at Vince, like, look, Storm is coming to the WWE, and his name is The Undertaker. Like, Fucking sick of this shit, man. Fucking get this shite, man. Fucking wee fat pudding getting made. Fucking Vince, carry on. Vince was in on for a long night. He had Undertaker yelling at him, Brett yelling at him. Like, Vince's like, why is everybody yelling at I, me? I must say, when Brett yelled at him, he genuinely looked pretty pissed. With Vince or Brett? Vince. Mm. Vince looked genuinely quite pissed. I think Brett was pissed, but Brett was always pissed. He was a pissy bitch. 30 minutes, 19 that went. And again, like I said, one of the better matches oh, on this de- card. Definitely, it was a great match. Let me get Steve Austin back like, oh, you camera guys, you're always in places that, you don't belong. That is a classic <laughs> thing. Like, you, ca- you camera guys always got the cameras where you don't belong. And he's like, and he does his speech and he's like, that's it. You're on my face. I'm on my face. It's going to be done. Like, you know, like, I'm going to... I'm not gonna say anything until I throw twenty nine pieces of trash out of that ring and go on to WrestleMania. Yeah, my face, son, interview's over. And the the best moment of all. Uh, Bulldog arrived in the arena like Looking pretty good, I must uh, say. Looking good. Who's These gonna win the Royal Rumble? He's shouting at the the fans the fans obviously aren't shouting Bulldog back. Oh, good. Uh, Bruce Bulldog is gonna win the Royal Rumble because I'm bizarre. <sighs> the question is, how bizarre? How bizarre. <laughs> how bizarre. <laughs> Should have came up to that. Listen, someone's did a comp- did an edit where they've done that song How Bizarre, but every time it's it's Bill it looks in How Bizarre. How Bizarre <laughs> Like, cause it's I remember watching it again, like like I don't think he's ever said it before or but after. You like you said it, Luke, so you didn't actually believe me when I showed you that I was I was like, I'm telling you, he says it and then it came up, you were like, 
Fuck me, he did shit. Mad <laughs> bastard. Like, it's the only time he's ever said, like, is this a thing he was trying to do? Like, because he always said that, like, after he finished born, that he's unsure himself, so he had a look on his face, and he's like, should I just fucking say I'm bizarre? Yeah, he, like, he's, he said it, then quickly took his wee trolley and his fanny pack in with him, he's like, oh, fuck, <laughs> I'm, I'm bizarre. <laughs> and then, oh, the definition of a piss break match, honestly. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And by the way, for a definite, I know the music was different there too. Right. Neither one of the teams came out to that shitely came out to because I remember watching the match on the tape and the music entrance was the only fucking thing I liked. To, to be fair though, I'm sure that these reasons are probably more valid because these guys, you know, triple A things, they're not mm. working triple A anymore, there's probably and some the, whole like, legal issue. And the guy, the, the guy with the, the stripey black and yellow is... I think yeah. that was heavy metal. Hey, nice butt. <laughs> yeah, it's a... Uh, Kinect. Hector Garza, Pedro Aguayo versus Fisera Guerrera, I think it's how you There was a guy dressed as Marty Gennetti for Halloween. Heavy Metal and Jerry Estrada. I think Estrada was... I can't remember if it was Guerrero or Estrada was the mask on that team, but... Yeah, was it was a couple of masks. Connect, one... Connect on the other team was, was in a mask, and one of the guys on the other team right, was in a mask. One of the guys had the mask with like the long hair, yeah. and the other guy looked a bit like the Patriot. Honestly, I haven't put down many spots here, because I, Conjurer couldn't follow it, and so neither could I. It basically, look to me, right, this is why I've seen it. See each guy who was similar to the other guy on the other team, they basically got the two guys to fight a bit, and then they got the other two guys to fight a bit, and then they got the other two guys to fight a bit, and then they mixed it up a bit, there was like, and then it was done. There was a random old guy in the ring there at one point, and like, did that guy accompany the, that team to the ring there? He was like, oh no, that's a referee, that's, that's a triple A referee they've got in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the old guy with the bandana on. Basically, yeah. Who yeah. looked about as clued in as the fucking wrestlers did. Yes. So, something I think will be more interesting than the, uh, the match itself, and we'll come back to it eventually, but I mainly reading from this book by James Dixon and Justin Henry. Titan Screwed. Titan Screwed. Yeah. About the year nineteen ninety seven. I must say I'm very curious because I've never actually heard a lot of information on the whole WWF Triple A Association. I've heard similar things that I than what I'm gonna read in this book yeah. well, so I can feel confident that most of the stuff I'm gonna read to you in a minute will be uh accurate. Pretty sure I don't know what I read, but I'm sure I read something from the ninety six with Titan Shattered. But I definitely remember reading Titans thinking on one point when I was reading out the bit about the Syracuse incident with Sean in the Sailor or the Marine or whatever. Oh, yeah, when you got it doing. All right. So I can feel there's a couple of pages worth of young because there's so much info that I couldn't just note down some of that. Like, I'm just going to have to read this here. Part, partly got to do him because he's moot and partly got to do him because Davey was too pissed to stay, stick up for him. So welcome back to another edition of Shit Audiobooks with Scott because I'm not good at reading this out on the fly. So, the first part of the chapter, uh, this is from the second chapter of the book, obviously rumbled very early on in the year. Uh-huh. So the start of it start, talks about, obviously, the booking of, of Sean being in the main event going to his hometown and the idea of trying mm-hmm. to drum up local interest. So then, this is where I'll start here. This is directly from the book I'm reading here. My man also had another trick, obviously, which he felt would help the way he fill in the cavernous stadium. A link up with Antonio Pena's Mexican Lucha Libre group. And he reads out what AAA stands for. I'm just going to call it AAA rather than offend somebody. <laughs> and then he goes into a little bit of the, the history of, of AAA, the founding of it in 92, mentioning Conan being involved in it. Okay. Oh, so, so, like, so, like, Conan eventually began splitting his time between wrestling and AAA and working dates for WCW as Eric Bischoff had scared all corners of the earth, trying to fill his undercard. 
going in and assist the Bishop and bringing over many other Lucha Libre stars, many of whom become regular tracks in the Cruiser Division on Nitro. Mm. As it says Ian Bischoff's main motivation was the freshness of unknown earliests brought into his product because they were significantly different from anything the WAF had at the time. And then it mentions some stuff about the kind of situation between Pena and Conan going a bit sour mm. back in the day and everything. Uh, basically, it was some issues about basically how regularly Pena wanted certain talents that both Conan, including both Conan and some of the talents he was helping book on WCW, still appearing in us. Despite the fact they were probably making better money in WCW than they were in AAA. Yeah, yeah. Well, AAA was not a fountain of cash, was it? It was not. And also they mentioned that Conan Bate eventually left, leaving AAA. I think he showed up as AAA champion. At least I built from AAA and he was just building WCW as the Mexican heavyweight champion. <laughs> yes, that's right, weird seagull. It was, it was a stupid thing to do. <laughs> I don't know if you could hear that fucking seagull. Here is a bit more info. Conan's departure left Peña, the captain of a sinking ship, because much like CML stars had done years earlier, many of AAA stars followed Conan out the door, knowing that they would lose well-paying jobs in WCW if they didn't. Peña needed a boost, so when the WF came a-calling in 1996 with a business proposal, he was all ears. The deal was brokered by part-time WF wrestler and creative team advisor Jake the Snake Roberts. Wow. One of the few WF crew had spent time in Mexico and had pre-existing relationships with the AAA ex with the AAA honcho. His proposal to Peña was that his AAA wrestlers would get involved in the Royal Rumble preview broadcast, give them exposure in return for in return for their part in helping draw the house. Peña was also promised prior to the main television broadcast, AAA would run on a number of other dark matches for the live audience only, making the entire presentation combined WF with AAA affair for this as far as the San Antonio live crowd was concerned. Mm. So obviously they wanted to rest three matches, one that fans have seen a few for all if they tuned in and two for the uh, the for the audience, yeah. yeah. WF wanted AAA on board to assign to his large Hispanic population, believing AAA would draw well. Believing AAA would draw well from the city, as the group had their own merits in other largely Hispanic hotbeds such as El Paso and San Jose, California. Mm. What team did not realize, and that no one else in the company bothered to check, was that AAA at their peak had booked a show in San Antonio and cancelled it because of tort. Or ticket sales. <laughs> Again, sorry, I'm, I'm reading this live, and also I've already started drinking. So yeah, yeah, so you've got you've got plenty of reason. Penny himself knew that AAA likely offered little draw in the city, though he was hardly about to tell anyone in New York that little detail. So mm. basically, like, oh yeah, we're probably not going to do any business, but fucking this man's offering me money and all sorts of shit. So I'm not going to tell him that details. Mm. Tell the truth or get money and exposure. Hmm. <laughs> He was eager to do business, realising that mainstream international exposure and a big band trying would be a significant boost to his disseminating group. Despite desperate to seal the deal, he told Robert that he still owned many of the contracts of the former AAA workers uh, now wrestling for a company that, that Conan had left, to, uh, had left to found called Promo Azteca and was working in WCW, giving, him, giving the impression that such big names such as Rey Mysterio Jr., Psychosis and Hunter Guerrero would be willing to jump ship and compete at the WDF event, leaving WCW's popular cruiserweight division in tatters. Hmm. The revelation was music to make man's ears as he was eager to partake in any event of the regret him victory over Bischoff and WCW. Except Pena was not entirely honest in his portrayal of the situation. <laughs> as, but, it, as is sometimes the case. While it was true that most of Mexican workers in WCW were under contract to AAA, the ca- actually, there was a catch. In 1985, Televisia, 
had sold AAA name rights to had sold the AAA name rights to Pena and attempt to stay afloat during the Mexican peso crash mm. and Pena formed a new holding company and not gonna P-A-P-A-P-S-A. I'm not gonna yeah. try to pronounce what the actual was initial stand for, but you know. Still per one card under the AAA banner. AAA is pre the formation of PSAPA form no longer existed and thus contracts with WCW performers were no longer valid because he'd formed this new company. Those mm. previous contracts were not valid. So WCW guys working for WCW and for Conan were under no, under no obligation to wrestle for AAA. Yes. This did not stop a paranoid Eric Bischoff responding in a typical knee-jerk reaction, opening for a better safe and sorry approach. Uh, after some frank conversation between the mistrustful vice president suspected he was being used an unwitting deal facilitator similar manner that Brian Pillman had done to him when he left and getting his uh, proper release yeah. from those overview. Prior to November's World War III pay-per-view, Bishop gathered the Mexican contingent and strong on them into signing WCW contracts to prevent McMahon from getting his hands on them. Mm. A man had more than simply selling out the Alamo Dome and arcing Eric Bishop in his mind when he signed off on co-promoting with Peña. He also did the same day of running cards in Mexico City, one of the most, one of the most decent, one of the most densely populated. I don't even know how you pronounce that word. <laughs> one of the most densely populated parts of the world. Yeah, yeah. Uh, here's the word I'm trying to pronounce here. This one's with the name. There's two G's there. Okay. Densely populated agglomerations. Ah, thank in you. the world. There you go. I don't know what an agglomeration is. Neither do I, but I. So it's bigger I, than a city. I think I pronounced it okay, I think. Yeah. I did, I did okay in English at school, I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> I did reasonably. With Mexican residency already overflowing with promotions, he realised he would need to embark upon a joint venture, at least at first, to make this a reality. And then I mentioned the time he'd done similarly with uh, Tenru's Super World of Sports in Japan back in the early 90s. Mm. And the blah, 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 blah. key difference between the field ven- the field venture with uh, the Japanese portion at man's attempts with Peña's group was that the SWS, which was the group in Japan, mm. had been a startup organization, whereas AAA were well established. The man was willing to give the foreign partnership a second go around. We're going to get into a bit of the attendance in a second and those potentially get let- being let in, but basically, the, sh- the short and sweet version of it is. They thought they were getting similar style wrestling to what WCW had, and maybe could even get some of the ones that had already appeared in WCW. They couldn't. Yeah. And basically, the idea of who they got from AAA, with the exception of Mel Masquez, who was a legend and all that, and the crew actually did respond for, mm-hmm. basically got whoever was left. Mm. And most of them, as we're going to see in this match, wrestled a different style. That some of them were more ground-based than the, uh, the wrestlers in WCW. So Yes, they were. You look at the WCW's crew's division, basically that's what Vince thought he was getting. And then this match is what he actually got. Mm. And they thought, again, given how close San Antonio and other parts of Texas, like El Paso, where they ran, being so close to the Mexican border and everything, that there'd be, a, and the largest Spanish market would be a great draw for the AAA, but you also overestimated their draw, and also Peña was keeping back some very crucial information yeah. from him. So it, was, it wasn't so much Vince's fault. I mean, I'm sure he was, for want of a better way of putting it, I'm sure he was a little over-eager to get mm-hmm. one over on the WCW, in particular, and Bischoff. I mean, so he, did, he didn't do his proper. He didn't do his due diligence. Yes, he was clearly clearly a desperation move here, and given the fact that he, he realised then he'd been kind of honestly not lied to, but not told the full truth. Yeah, by yeah. But he also but same people kind of again. What it says there is that this is still a well-established brand that's been around for a long time. Mm. Well, not a long time because it split it was 
choose a split from a different Mexican person yeah. to see my name. Yeah. But still had an established name around it and it was well known in Mexico. So obviously, it was willing to give them another shot even after this lie. But So, here's where we get into a bit about the attendance and the cricket prices and such. Because this is what you tune in for. But you <laughs> might find this interesting because <laughs> I find it very interesting. This kind, this kind of stuff is very interesting, I find. It's good to yeah. know the details. Well, as said, Michael's issue created local interest in the Royal Rumble and look up and link up with AAA seemingly had the Hispanic population covered. Neither enough, were, neither were significant enough to shift the, all the Alamo tickets at the usual WWF prices. Mm. Realizing as much, McMahon slashed entry fee of a significant portion of the events for only ten pound, only ten dollars, sorry, per head <laughs> for some tickets. So quite a few tickets were only like ten dollars to get this massive anywhere they oh, probably want. Why again? Ten quid. With some tickets available. For as little as five dollars, when Taco Bell and Dr Pepper discount coupons were redeemed. Wow! So they made deals with Taco Bell and Dr Pepper, basically almost doing two for one care promotions that they all are doing. I think there was also some deals with Seven Eleven as well. Yeah, you can get a taco and a ticket. Basically, they were doing two for one or like competition to win either free tickets or being given tickets, or you get like a very cheap price when you bought a certain thing that they were doing a sponsorship yeah, so with. So if you bought like a soda or a taco or some kind of crap. Vince gave out thousands more tickets away to various local schools, newspapers, and businesses, and blacked out all blacked out pay per views in the southeast Texas to ensure anyone state who wanted to see the show that was happening at their own time would have to go in person. Now, this all blacking out the pay per view in a big part of the local area was a similar tactic that Vince pulled in much of uh, the area of Michigan that WrestleMania three was happening. He's like, "Oh, you can't watch it on TV. Well, guess you'll have to turn up. Guess you'll have to buy a ticket then." <laughs> so. Uh, and some well, it's, of not those, it's not entirely an ethical thing, I yeah, don't think. Some of those people probably just went, nah, do you know what, I'll just wait until the video comes out, cunt. Yeah. All these concessions, combined with a strong local media campaign, made the Royal the most heavily advertised non-WrestleMania card that Vince McMahon had ever promoted. Mm. The hard work paid off getting boys through the door as they pulled 60,000. Now, this estimates a different kind of number, just slightly above the... Yeah. Well, I said over 400-something out after the 6,000. They say 60,525, so not too far off. Well, mm. I was saying, though only forty-eight thousand and fourteen paid, so forty-eight thousand out of the sixty thousand supposedly paid to get into the venue. Yeah, so a le- less than fifty thousand. Yeah, so that's that means around you know, twelve thousand people who didn't pay in this venue. Yeah, they just got in, totaling four hundred eighty thousand and thirteen dollars, with a staggering twelve thousand five hundred and eleven comps. Jeez, despite the heavy papering of the show. There's still the second largest paid attendance in the history of US pro wrestling, trailing only behind, as I mentioned before, WrestleMania 3. <laughs> Federation officials were delighted with the numbers, which first surpassed everyone's realistic expectations. One week earlier, the draw looked like it was going to be considerably less, with an unprecedented 20,000 tickets sold in the <laughs> final day leading up to the event. Jeez. And I mentioned here also Triple A featured heavy in the undercar man living up to his promise and giving two dark matches and the free for all bout over the company in addition to a contest on the pay-per-view card. However, the general response to the promotion was of widespread indifference. <laughs> McMahon had miscalculated the market for AAA performers, and they're all considerably less known than his WF stars. Far from being WF's answer to WCW's exciting cruiserweight division, <laughs> the AAA wrestlers featured a much more ground-based style and generic in appearance compared to WCW's imports. Yeah. They got Mysterio psychosis, colourful masks and such. Yeah, and what did you get? You got an old guy in fur. Yeah, basically. And, you know, a, ma- a fucking 
you know, Marty Jannetty knock off. And then they mentioned the uh, the massacres incident in the Rumble match. I'll save my opinion until later. McMahon, thoroughly unimpressed with what he'd been given by Penny's operation, opted out of the deal shortly after. <laughs> his track record with working others was patchy, at best, due to his inability to allow his other playmates to get to compete on an even keel with the WWF. The split came as no surprise. Vince had clearly been trying to recreate what Bischoff had had with WCW, but had almost entirely missed the point. Triple A felt like a guestlet rather than an entity tied in the WF product. Yeah. And ultimately achieved very little from the Triple A union. There were some beneficiaries to the Triple A deal, however, namely struggling WF stars Rick Razor Ramon Bogner and Glenn Diesel Jacobs, <laughs> having uh, un- outlived their usefulness on all attempts to recreate two of Vince's most popular stars. They looked destined for the unemployment line. <laughs> Both were sent back into Triple A and given a new use in life. Curiously, they, they parodied another Hall and Nash act as they were part of the NWO parody, the MWO down in, faction down in Mexico. The Mexican World Order, I assume. Possibly. And then it talks about here about, the, about Sean being the unquestionable main draw for the for the show. Yeah. But that so ends the Triple A portion. But ironically, I read in Kane's book that was on a trip back from one of these excursions down in Mexico between him and Rick Bogner. And when he got home from that, he got the call, which ultimately led them to pitching the Kane character to him. Mm. And he was probably like, hmm, stay in Mexico or be Kane. Mm. Not a hard decision, really. Not really, no. Although, I'll be perfectly honest, and this is no slight on Rick Bogner, RIP and all, you know. But I'll be honest, out of fake diesel, mm-hmm. fake. Razor, I actually thought Fake Diesel was no bad. Oh, yeah. You know, he looked the part. He actually looked pretty good as Fake Diesel. You didn't have to squint or stand as far away to, to make to think that he was Diesel that you did where Bonnie had to stand far, 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 yeah. far. Squint, squint, squint. I mean, oh, yeah, that kind of looks like Razor. Aye, but I mean, it was half the size of Razor, <laughs> for God's sake. It was, like, it was like a fucking Sean Waltman had put on Razor's gear, you know what I mean? He was awfully scrawny, Rick Wagner. He also had a much wider face. Yeah. A weirdly fat face. Yeah, he had a wee fat face, a wee scrawny fat Razor. Uh, but like like I say, Glenn Jacobs really, really did look the part as Diesel. Yeah. I mean, he was, like I say, he was built like fuck. He was big, he looked good in the Diesel gear. And he, he even had the right... Like, I thought he's walked to the ring as Diesel was cool and fucking... Kevin Nash, he's walked to the ring when he was fake diesel. So yeah, that's uh, that's Triple E and WS relationship basically. They were lied to initially, and they were given stars that Vince wasn't happy with. He wasn't really willing to have them on an even keel with them, so basically he's like, yeah, what's this car losses here? But technically then, from what you've just said, technically, most technical sense, Vince's association with Triple A is what you've got to thank for one of your favourite wrestlers. Very much, because they had the Triple A basically send them to what might like other territories that they'd work with that they sent people to basically so they got fired. fired. Yeah, so if, if it wasn't for the Triple A organization, you would never have got your favorite guy. Oh yeah, and a lot of people wouldn't wouldn't have got rid of Rick Bogner. <laughs> yeah, he'd, he'd have still been thought about. You know what's ironic though? When people go to other companies like this, they went to do some weird went from parodying Nash and Hall. Doing another parody of National with a, a fake NWO bit down in Mexico. I'm not sure how popular that was, but then what's funny is that now they did that NWO Japan, they mm. did the fake thing. The guy playing fake thing went over to play NWO thing as part of NWO Japan and worked in New Japan for a couple of years and actually got really popular over there yeah. as fake thing. Cool. Which was funny. Uh, 
Oh, I can never remember the name of the guy who played fake Sting. But... <laughs> was he like a legit wrestler himself? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But then he, he got stuck in this part where like, he was popping up as a fake Sting and then... Which really him pretending to be Sting. First he pretended to be Surfer Sting, which yeah. then set Sting on the path when people didn't trust him becomes Crow Sting. Then he was freak Crow Sting, got beat up a few times by real Sting, then went to, to Japan. Yeah, and then became like, got got a, made his sell a bit of dosh and popularity. Well. Also, somebody pointed that Someone pointed this out to me a few years ago. There's a, a, a image of a, a back of a Sting documentary or mobile DVD thing, and there's a bunch of images from here. One of the images off to the far right, right hand side isn't an image of Sting, it's an image of fake Sting in Japan. Which yeah. <laughs> is weird. All this, by the way, is funner than talking about this fucking Triple A Tech Man tag match because it's fucking dull. It really is. Is it not like I say, you know, like you get the, you get the six tags come in. Yeah. And like I say, each guy looks similar to the other guy. It's like, right, you used to have a bit of a fight. Now tag out, and you used to who are kind of similar have a bit of a fight. Right, tag out, other two who are a bit similar have a bit of a fight. Then mix it up, and then finish, and it's done. Like, and who gets the win? The old furry guy. I big uh, Pedro Aguayo. Pedro Aguayo, who completely fucks that double stomp. He didn't even fucking touch him. So yes, and Brad go. Oh, we had a wee elbow drop. Yeah, and the elbow drop was more pathetic than the fucking jump. And then he does a weird kind of I'm going to kind of half shag your face pin. Ten minutes fifty six. This bit this went by the way. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, it was a bit dull. Okay, I said the word more grim. But it's like oh, yeah. and I love that 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 Jr. says, oh, you're not going to see a lot of you know map based offense. Literally half a second later, one of the guys walks in an STF. Yeah. And Vince McMahon goes, well, there's some for you. <laughs> I hope Vince like, oh, there's doing offense, stupid pricks can't even jump about day nothing, man. Fucking WCW sucks, man. Fucking beat the late guns. Fuck this shit. Just in there like, come on, do a flip. <laughs> do something. Goddamn Triple A. <laughs> and it's like the commentary can't can keep up with like, oh that's that's Paraguay, no that guy's that guy, or that's Sintico, or that's heavy metal, like no that guy's heavy metal, and, like guys are correcting each other. Heavy metal does his best to get the noise out. Heavy metal love USA. Hmm. USA because they don't love heavy metal. The USA are mildly indifferent towards heavy metal. Mm. Mm. I said heavy metal who takes the pin after getting that really shit looking stomp in Paraguay. Mm. And Guayo, who she's just gonna do a run, do an actual dive, then just stops, gets out of the ring, and then you put into the shit, like looking sent on looking thing. Yeah. He looks like he tries to sit on the guy. Yeah. It sucked. It, it sucked. Like, let's be honest, it was a sucky 10 minutes to waste on a pay per view. It was so bad, it went out of my brain. I really forgot about it. I texted you, went, God, that match was dull. I swear to God, see if we weren't reviewing the thing. Uh, a lot of the time, if I'm just watching that tape re- recreationally, you know what I mean? A lot of the time, I skip that match because I cannot be fucked with it. What's annoying about this show is that Howard Finkel can barely be heard. He makes shit the whole night, I think. Yeah. And, like, it's not bad enough that like, he comes out, he's trying to tell you who these people are, like, introduce them, and, like, he's saying it through his really bad mic, the music's very loud over it, and then Vince is talking over them. Well, yeah, that's the thing, though. Like, you know how I say, like, a lot of the, the music on this, especially on the network, is dubbed over. Mm-hmm. Anytime the music is louder than the fucking commentary, that's generally when it's dubbed over. Like, 
with Triple H, though, it's probably done like I said because of they don't want to get any shit with Triple H using their music. They oh, probably yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit. for the love of God, why, 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 why would the Godwins? Why? I don't know about the Godwins, but this match is done now. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Yeah. Commentary plugs the next thing in your house. It's not called Final Four yet because obviously they need to yeah, wait I, for the Final Four incident to happen. Is Hillbilly Jim or Jimmy, fucking Jimmy Hart pissed anyone off or something? Mm-hmm. I mean, other than taking too long to do his Hall of Fame speech, I don't know why anyone could be mad at Hellbell Jim. Seems oh, like it's a nice big, cool. nice big fella. I imagine, I imagine that's what Brian will look like after he spends a lot of time in the gym. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for the abrupt ending of this podcast, but we were already running pretty late in our recording. We'd recorded some other stuff that same day, and so I thought we'll come back and record the rest of the episode later on. But when I put the files together when I was editing, I realised, like, Jesus, this is already going way too long, and we've not even got to the Rumble match yet, and that'll take a fair bit of, you know, examining and breaking down. So we decided to just, like, give you a little undercard special. Also, the rambling we did at the start didn't help, because, but, you know, that's, that's, I hope that's what you guys tune in for. That's what we enjoy talking about. You know, just whatever we think will make a good discussion for the podcast, and... Part 2 will have some other rambling, but we promise that it'll be more wrestling related. That'll be coming out fairly soon, you won't have to wait very long for that. But yeah, so you got this little undercard special for the Royal Rumble 87. Then we'll come back with the Rumble match, breaking that all down, and the fairly underwhelming entrance other than Steve Austin, and the main event of the show before giving our final thoughts on the overall card and our ratings in Part 2, which will be coming out very, very soon. So hope you guys understand, and thank you for listening. Nation of domination. Nation of domination.